weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom, Zoom Style. <laughs> Come on, Lamar, you got to get into it a little bit. Zoom, 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 Zoom. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee and good friend Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. You can listen to this program on War on Anger, which takes you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. And don't forget to download the iHeartRadio app and type in the search engine box, War on Anger. That's W-A-R-R on Anger. And you can access our lovely programming like this one and all of all the programming from Ward Media. And you can find good, 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 Lamont. At Lamont Scott and on Instagram at Lamont Scott 69 and on Twitter at Lamont Scott 16. All right, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter at Keena underscore McGee on the Instagram. And you can also listen, watch our show on YouTube. You can see our lovely faces. Where can they find us on YouTube, Sid? Type in your search engine box on YouTube, War Media, that's W-A-R-R Media, and you can access all of our other programs, including this one, on YouTube. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe, and please get the likes up after you finish watching. Please do it. Get them up, get them up, get them up. Absolutely, and also hopefully Jason will join us in a little bit. So White Sox fans are rejoicing. They clinch a playoff spot for the first time. Since 08, he got Sid, you know, Sid got, you know, his, his White Sox gear on, and so does Lamont. So what are you guys' expectations now that they're in the playoffs officially? Uh, I'll start. Here's the, here, you go, Sid. You go, Sid. Okay. Here, here's the thing for, for this White Sox team for 2020. Whatever happened this year, it was a bonus because we expected this team to take the next step, but it wasn't necessarily – Series here. The playoffs were a possibility, but it was a wait and see. Now, since the White Sox are in the playoffs, let's see if they can take the next step. Because to order to be in order to become champions, you have to go through the growing pains. Now that they're in the playoffs, we'll see what, what they are really made of. As of right now, if the playoffs would start today, which the regular season ends next week, they will face the Cleveland Indians. And should they get by them, you'll have to face possibly New York. Or hey, Oakland in, in their next in their next round. So for the White Sox, this is the time for taking the next step, growing up some more on the job, on the field, and in order to be playoff tough, you had to go through these experiences. So it's it's a wait and, and I'm not saying that this is not a World Series year for the White Sox, but let's just take it one moment at a time, one game at a time, because these guys are going through this experience as a group for the first time together. And like I was saying, I got to agree with you, Sid. It's a win already, you know, for me, because I didn't expect this much. I expected steps, and like we're going to continue to have to take more steps. So I'm actually happy with the situation, and anything else is like icing on the cake from here. Same thing. I think that, look, the fact that they made it to, especially the way they. Jason Pfeiffer, uh, our fourth member of the crew, has joined us. Jason, what is your thoughts about the White Sox uh, clinching a playoff spot for the first time since 2008? Well, you know, before we get in, Jason, but I'm being a Cubs fan, you know, he gonna probably say it was an accident or something, but he <laughs> but at the same far. time, like you say, it's icing. Jason, what are your thoughts? 
David? David? Okay, well, I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll jump in and, uh, and, you know, because... I, look, like, like I said before, I mean, it's all icing on the cake now. The fact that they, they expanded to the playoffs, it was going to be, you know, because the chances of the White Sox getting in will get better and better. So, look, I think anything else is just gravy at this point. I mean, it's pretty much wide open now with everything going on and, you know, the shortened season. So, I think this in this case, I think the White Sox, they have a chance here. I think everybody that gets in the playoffs will have a chance to win it. That's my, that's my take. I think the question is for the White Sox, who's your starting pitcher rotation? Usually you carry three strong starters. Uh, assuming that Dallas Keiko can come off the injury list soon because the regular season ends next week, he'll be your number one. But if he doesn't, Giolito is your number one. Um, maybe Dylan Cease is your number three starter, your number two starter. That's up in the air right now. I, you know, I, uh, this all depends on when, if, if and when Dallas Keiko comes back. Hopefully he can come back before the regular season is over. If he does, uh, your starting rotation will be better. Right now, uh, uh, it's good, but it could be better. It, it could definitely be better. I mean, like, so how much would you, how much would you want to use Dunning in that playoff, though? That's a good question, and that's the name that, that blanked out on me because he, the way he's pitching, he could be your number two starter if the playoffs started today. That, that, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about I, at the way he's pitching right now, if it were to start, like, next week, I would probably run him in at number two. Because him and Keiko kind of like match each other like back to back. I like them two going back to back. What are your thoughts, Jason? Jason? See, here's the thing. I think for me with the White Sox rotation, you got Keiko is said, Giulio is said, those are your one two, depending on how, what order do you want to put them in? After that, I think that's going to be going to be the interesting part about, you know, what happens after that. Gonzalez had a nice outing yesterday, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the, the pitching is sort of like, do you think they have the pitches sort of challenge the, you know, can we say Oakland, you know, somebody like that? Well, not necessarily that's the challenging, but that's why I think, uh, Sid, I mentioned it to Sid a minute ago. I think Dunning is going to play an important role if they use him properly. I think he's being overlooked, and I think he could be the key to some secret success in the playoffs. Yeah, whoever's that third starter is, whether it's Dunning or maybe Dylan Cease, whoever is that third starter, the other uh, starter will be used out of the bullpen, and we'll see uh, what that challenge brings uh, to that young pitching staff. What I'm concerned about for the White Sox is their offense. Yes, they held a lot of home runs like the Minnesota Twins. No, don't apologize for it. This how the, this how you got here. But in the playoffs, we all know pitch strong pitching and defense uh, knocks out any strong offense. Go ask the Minnesota Twins throughout their uh, history over the last 15, 20 years. For the yeah. Sox, my main concern is can they create runs when you cannot hit home runs? I know they're going to be playing it in a bubble in – I believe Texas, California, and a couple other places as well. But well, weather won't be a factor because they'll be playing inside. But with that being said, can you create runs when uh, when your home run game is not on? Because you're going to face better starting pitching come playoff time, just like everybody else. You're not going to be facing fourth, 
fifth starters or bullpen session days. You're going to be facing the top two starters from other teams. And if you're not hitting home runs, you get easily frustrated. Mentally, it takes you out the game. So I want to see the Sox trying to create runs here because it's all about timely hitting come playoff time. Everything's not going to go your way offensively when it comes to the postseason. There's two names I give you for that, uh, Sid, Nick, Nick Magical and Tim Anderson. Yeah. I think they mm -hmm. have to play a very big role in that whole situation. And you look at Moncada lately, he's coming around again like he go through these spurts where he's like the man. And I think those two, with him included, could be that answer to that question you're saying. Oh, Jason, what are your thoughts about the White Sox? Well, listen, um, I thought this was um, basically a show-me series. I don't know how what point you guys have touched on already, but I thought that was a pretty good comeback late in the game yesterday. I think the final score was 4-3. to three. Um, I, I thought Minnesota would, would win the game late, but obviously they didn't. So it was a great Sox comeback. And, again, I know we talked about this um, on Monday. Um, this is like the litmus test, right? This is like, you know, can the White Sox actually, you know, take three out of four from a contending team, from a good team, uh, in the Minnesota Twins, and, and they've done that. They played really well. They, of course, hit the ball hard. I think Abreu was still hitting home runs somewhere. Um, couldn't seem to get Byron Buxton out so much in this series, but uh, that's okay. Um, well, I mean, I, I, would, if I had to put a grade on the series. I'd give it an A+. Plus. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the – especially with the playoffs are set up. Like Sid said, it's going to be in Texas. So that's going to be sort of interesting, like, okay, what, what's going to happen there? You're not going to have the crowds there. There's not going to be anyone there. Then you're not going to be at home either. So it's going to be interesting to see with all these teams, you know, the Dodgers have already clinched as well, how, how and will all this you know, sort of set up here. Yeah, let me pat myself on the back as I put to the challenge of the White Sox in our last podcast earlier this week. I, I put the pressure on the White Sox to take three out of four against Minnesota, and they did just that. I agree with you, Jason. I give them an A-plus for, for doing that. And now it's just finishing out the rest of the regular season, which ends next Friday. You have 10 or so games remaining. It's all about getting healthy and, and getting your starting rotation set for the playoffs, which starts next weekend. So for the White Sox, uh, you, your goal is to stay healthy, continue to play sharp, and let's see if you can at least win seven or eight more games to he got a 40-win season in a short 60-game season. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I agree Look at that. Yeah. Talk about your Cubs for a second, Jason. Your Cubs have won four in a row. They play in Minnesota. I don't think – we'll see what the mood Minnesota will be in <laughs> once, you know, everything is set up. Where do you see the Cubs? Well, certainly playing better over the last week, right, said uh, Lamont and Lakina. That's for doggone sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that that started to happen when the uh, with the bats of Javier Baez and Chris Bryant starting to come around a little bit. Um, the, the pitching has still been solid. I mean, that's been a surprise with me, especially with Chatwood and Quintana um, continuing to battle injuries. I don't know if they'll even be available for the playoffs at this moment. But um, Lester's last two starts, I know I've been saying this, but his last two starts have been pretty good. So I don't know if that is a sign that he can turn things around. I know he's up there in age. So I know people kind of wanted to jump on his back a little bit about sort of the up and down start to this weird season because it is such a weird and unique season. Um, but again, last two starts, he's starting to look a little bit more like the John Lester of old. So hopefully he can, he can continue that onward into a playoff. 
Um, again, I, you know, I, I thought I'd be happy with a split with the Cleveland series, but there were two comebacks there and I couldn't be happier with it. Of course, there was an un, uninvited drone visitor from the <laughs> other night. Um, <laughs> made things even more weird in this weird and unique. <laughs> Um, but again, I mean, four in a row, like you said, Lakina, and the Cubs have been playing well, so hopefully they can continue it. Again, I think with Javier Baez and Chris Bryant starting to play well, I think you're going to continue to see the team play well as well. I want to ask you this question, Jason. Uh, who's your top three starters if the playoffs would start today for you? I'm assuming Hendricks is up there, and like you said, John Lester is starting to come around, even though he had his struggles throughout the season. Who's your third starter if the playoffs started today? Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's such a tough situation, Sid. Um, I think it'd obviously be, you know, some combination of you, Darvish, and Kyle Hendricks right at the top. I would probably give the ball to Darvish in a game one situation uh, based on this season anyway. Um, his win probability, I believe, is tops in the in the entire Major League Baseball uh, when it comes to, obviously, you know, chances of the team winning when their team, mm -hmm. when that pitch starts. Um, so, you know, Darvish, Hendricks, one, two. Um, I as far as right now, I would have to put Lester in at three. Um, but Alec Mills has been pitching well. You know, he, I know he definitely deserves some consideration there. But with the, with the pedigree that John Lester has, I would have to probably put him in the three spot as of right now. Uh, where where do you have it? Where do you have that third starter asset? Uh, I, I forgot about you, Darish. That's why I asked because, you know, Kyle Hendricks, you know, he's been there before. So has Lester. But like I said, Lester – has getting up there in age. He's had his struggles post All Star break the last couple of years. The you give props to you, Darvish. I'm sure he's. I'm sure. I'm sure he is going to be the number one candidate for the National League Cy Young Award. So I will give him the ball for Game One. I know Lester with his veteran experience, a couple of championship rings, he'll probably get the number two spot. Me personally, it would be Cal Hendricks. But if you flipped it around, you shouldn't be too upset if you're a Cubs fan. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, uh, you know, it's it's all about you know who do you want to compete, right? And again, I think uh, Alex Mills is starting to show that he's got good stuff, but he's been a bit inconsistent, right? I mean, I mean, obviously mm -hmm. he's coming off no hitter, but you know, an up and down season so far. I think his ERA is right around four and a half. I think a four, four and a half. And look, John Lester's is the same. Okay, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, <laughs> not trying to be a yeah. or anything. But again, I think when we're talking about pedigree. You know, championship medal, as they call it. Um, I'd have to give Lester the ball in a game three situation. Yeah, I see them giving the ball to Lester, and if it come down to it, him performing a Kurt Schilling type performance, if need be. Even if he's hurt, I can see him doing a Kurt Schilling with no problem. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's going to get geared up for the playoffs. I mean, like you said, Jace, this is not going to be his first time doing this. This guy's a veteran. I think he'll get it together and. Look, I, I think Rossi. Look, Rossi was there for, for both times that, that they won championships together. So I, I'm not worried about Lester at this point. Me neither. Going yeah, me either. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about it was, is, and uh, we talk, I talked about this a, a few weeks, maybe even a month ago back. I'm not sure if you guys remember. But it was the, the dip in velocity for me was a really concerning problem. You know, he was barely touching 89-90 on the gun on his fastball. And it's not like John Lester is a fireball thrower anyway, but you're, you're used to seeing that velocity, maybe, you know, one or two ticks, maybe even three ticks higher, 92, 93, um, to go along with his, his ability to spot and locate. You know, that's what you look for from a John Lester. And he just wasn't doing that, you know, up until these past two starts. So 
uh, again, along with that dip in velocity. But I noticed, especially in his last start, I saw 91, I saw 92 a few times. So I'm thinking maybe it was more of an arm string game shape situation. And, and again, I hate to sound like the broken record, but this is such a unique season, guys. We're, we're, we're going to see a lot of things mm-hmm. that we're really not used to seeing. Especially yeah, with like the, the World Series. Well, especially with the setup of the playoffs, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very funny, Lamont. Uh, Especially with the with the playoff setup too. I mean, you know, you're going to be in Dallas and Houston, so there's you're going to be in a, in a bubble basically. So you're not going to have a lot of you're not gonna, like I said, you're not going to have crowds. You're not going to have you're not going to be in your home home uh, ballpark. So that's going to be another thing too. Same thing with you know we talked about with the White Sox a couple of minutes ago. Cubs, I mean the White Sox too. The Cubs, same thing. I mean all these teams. So it'll be interesting. This this, this playoffs. Mm-hmm. Once we get to the playoffs and start previewing it, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I wanted to flip the question back to Sydney and you guys. Now, what what do you think your playoff rotation is set up like? Obviously, it'll be Giolito. I'm thinking in the game one. Um, I think that's pretty that's a given at this point. But but how mm-hmm. do you think the rotation set, uh, shapes up in a game two or three situation, Sid? Yeah, we talked about this a couple minutes ago before you joined us. Uh, Dallas Keiko, assuming that he comes off the list before the regular season is next Friday. If that's the case, he'll be my number two starter. Uh, that third spot is wide open. It's a Dylan Cease, it's a Dane Dunning. Uh, whoever gets that spot, the other one had to go to the bullpen for middle relieving, and that should boost up your, uh, your bullpen right there. The bullpen actually hasn't been too bad this year. Yes, they had its struggles the last couple weeks, but it's starting to turn around a little bit. I know you warned me about Steve Ciszek. Uh I do not <laughs> want to see him on the mound again this year, but if it, I think it's up to Rick Renteria. We'll probably see him somewhere uh, (laughs) outside of that you know you should be pretty confident at least with your starting rotation now the closer uh Alex Colomay he's very good so I'm not worried about him at all it's just about your setup guys in the seventh and eighth innings that can they uh, rise up now you're in the postseason I think that's why moving that's why whoever goes to that bullpen be it Dunning or or uh Cease will replace Steve Cisak and you know, push him back a little more. We should have left him over on the north side, <laughs> to be honest with you. No, you shouldn't have. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> we should have left no, him over no, there. No, no, <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> like I said, it's going to be very interesting. We'll see how Rick Renteria sort of sets all this up. It'll be interesting. So let's talk about the MLB as a whole real quick before we go to the NBA playoffs. Um, it looks like there's good. We're going to, we're probably going to end up getting three teams to the AL East. I mean, the Yankees have won eight in a row. Judge and Stan are finally healthy again. You know, thank goodness. Did you see that game last night? Yes, right? I mean, oh my gosh. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like five homers, I think. Yep. Yes, that was ugly. Yeah, it was. And yeah, so I, I think, look, the Yankees and the Rays don't, they don't face each other anymore, but the Jays and the Yankees, they do. So it'll be interesting to see how all this sets up. I mean, looking at the Rays' last 10 games, and well, nine games, actually, because they've played 81, I mean, uh, 51 already. So that's going to be interesting, too, to see who ends up getting that top spot in the East. You know, they get the, they get the Orioles, the Mets, and the Phillies. The Phillies are going to be battling for those playoff spots, and we'll talk about the Mets in a little bit, but, yeah. Jump all the way off of that. Do you think Rent Arena job is a little more secure since they won and clinched the playoffs? You think they're more comfortable with him? They say the players love him. How do you think he got a solid shot at getting a solid chance? 
I think his I think his job is safe for now, but we'll see what he does during this playoff series. But really, the the true question is, what does he do come next year, despite what happens this year in the playoffs? Because expectations are going to be higher, and at times he's done questionable moves. What magic doesn't have questionable moves and uh, tinkering with the lineups here and there. The question is, can he can he sustain this next year when the expectations are going to be higher? And if you can't do that or somehow they miss the playoffs, uh, that seat is going to be hot. And like you always, we always say, Lamont, here's your pink slip in the link card. Oh, my goodness. Really <laughs> All right. So what do you guys think about the AL East? You know, I mentioned, you know, they're probably going to end up being three teams. How do you think that's going to play out? Yeah. Uh, I, I, listen, I love the Blue Jays. They're scrappy. Um, I thought – they were probably a year away as well. But again, this is such a, a unique season. I'm not surprised that they're they're playing well. They've been up and down this season. But again, young team. So we'll see what kind of impact they can make in the playoffs. But they're certainly fun to watch. You know, I've, I've told you guys a couple of times about this already. Uh, I've got a chance to see a couple of those boys on that Toronto Blue Jays team uh, when I was doing my internship with the South Bend Cubs um, in, in single-A ball. So, uh, you know, Vlad Guerrero Jr., I mean, uh, he's a kid that I, that I watched a few times during that internship and uh, just love watching them play. And of course you've got uh, Craig Biggio's son there and they're, 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 they're playing well and they're young and exciting. So um, I'm excited for this final week to see what they can do. Uh, but yeah, it looks like three teams in the AL East and, you know, not only can they have the Yankees gotten their health back, but can they figure out also Garrett Cole's problems? I know he's been pitching well lately, so um, I think he's turned the corner, but I think those are two questions that the Yankees fans have had and they've seemed to be answered. So um, I'm ready to get this thing started as far as playoffs go. Yeah, me too. And a lot of new teams in the East gonna cancel each other out going towards the end of this. So it's gonna make it a lot easier going into the playoffs. So I think once we get to the playoffs, all of that have been canceled itself out much and we'll be okay going forward to see which direction we're going in. I'm with you, Jason. I think Toronto's a year away from really be taking that next step man. Uh, becoming contenders for the playoffs. If they happen to sneak in this year, so be it. I watched that whole series against the Yankees this week, which they got swept and gave up 19 home runs as a pitching staff. That shows you what a young team that they are. They have talent, but they have they just need more time and more experience. The Yankees, I know they got Aaron Judge back and John Carlos Stanton. The key is if both of those guys stay healthy, which they are, which they have come back now. If they can stay healthy through the playoffs, they can be a dangerous team. I'm with you, Jason. Outside of Garrett Cole, what can the Yankees give you as far as their starting rotation? Their bullpen's been kind of shaky. And I know it hasn't been these stories since the Yankees have been scoring all these runs since, uh, during this uh, latest winning streak. But if they can show up their starting rotation outside of Cole and they can get their bullpen together, they will be tough to beat. What about the Central? Looks like the White Sox are going to be the only ones. I know the Twins and the Indians both have a very, very high probability of getting in the playoffs. I mean, I think I think Cleveland could be a little bit more dangerous. I know they went through a tough stretch here recently. I know they played the Cubs this weekend, but if they can somehow get in, even though they traded Mike Clevenger at the trade deadline, they still, I believe, have enough pitching to get by. They still have five two players uh, up and down their roster. I like them personally better than Minnesota. Minnesota is a team that hit home runs, and once they get into the playoffs, they crap the bed. If I had to choose between which team outside of, Minnesota, outside of the White Sox and the Central, 
who I like, which chances I like better in the, in the playoffs, Minnesota or Cleveland. I'm going with Cleveland. I got to agree with you, Sid. I can't roll with Minnesota. Minnesota didn't let me down too many times. And, that, and their pitching starting rotation stinks. And, yeah, and the bad. White Sox exposed. Yeah, they're bad. Yeah, that pitching is terrible. <laughs> that, 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 that's the, the key for me. I think that's what, what probably gives Cleveland the edge for all of us um, is, is their starting pitching, even though they traded Mike Clevenger. I, I, would like to, I would like to talk to their general management just to see where their head is at. I mean, are they in the business of waving a white flag or not? I mean, if I'm like Francisco Lindor, I'm looking at management and kind of wondering what the hell's going on there because you traded away, like, literally our whole starting rotation in two days or in two years, I should say. Um, so, it, you know, <laughs> another one gone. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, again, I mean, I don't, I don't know – exactly how to feel about that if I'm a Cleveland fan, but they're still right there. They're still in contention. All right, let's go West. You got the A's and the Astros. Looks going to be between the two of them. Uh, both both kind of had their struggles lately. Where do you guys see the AL West? I'll start. I, I'm rooting for the A's. It's just something about them. I mean, I like them. They, they scrappy, they play, and they always seem to catch a bad break around this time of the year. And I'm praying that don't happen this year. So I'm really pushing for the A's. I really want the A's to go, like, really bad. Well, I know I'm, I'm not too sure how severe that Matt Chapman injury is. I mean, you're talking about Brad, you know, bad breaks and, and bad luck, uh, Lamont. It, it's That's what it's I mean. really, really unfortunate Chapman got injured. Um, but I love the A's. I love them as a team as well. Uh, they always – that was a good point. They, something always seems to happen to them late and in the season. Yeah, something always seems to happen, man. So yeah, yeah, but but I love the A's, and I don't I don't know if the Astros will have enough to get over there, huh? Yeah, as I said on this podcast a couple weeks ago, before the Matt Chapman injury, I thought the A's were the best team in the AL outside of the White Sox. If I was a White Sox fan, the playoffs would have started. I wouldn't have wanted to see Oakland. Of course, now the Yankees are getting healthy. They caught fire. Maybe Oakland still has something left in the tank. I think they'll hang on to win that AL West, but. As far as the playoffs are concerned, like you mentioned, Jason, that Matt Chapman injury, assuming that he's out for the year, it doesn't look good for Oakland. Houston, as I said before, they cannot win on the road. And if they get in, I still don't like their chances. I really don't. They've just been too inconsistent for me. Same thing. I think that Chapman injury for the A's is such a tough break, and I'm hoping that it's not a big, you know, big injury. But they're kind of keeping it sort of hush-hush how serious it is. So – We'll see what happens in Houston. Look, I mean, unless you know, until somebody beats Houston, I I don't know what else to <laughs> I don't know what else to say there. All right, another pretty competitive division, the NL East. Um, Braves, Marlins, Marlins. You got to give them props for hanging in there. You know, they lost last night, but the Phillies. But some people are even saying that maybe that Mets might try to sneak up in there, which I think that's a little bit out there at this point. So, where do you guys see the NL East? I don't think the Mets. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the man's gonna sneak. I mean, I'm an Atlanta guy all the way. Like I'm, I'm going with Atlanta. I mean, Philadelphia. If Philadelphia was gonna win it, I feel like they should have been winning. If they was gonna win it, like Philadelphia has let me, they let me down last year, so I kind of didn't ride with them at all this year. So I'm, I'm rolling with Atlanta, man. I'm, I'm gonna stick with Atlanta. Yeah, Philly had been playing well, uh, but I think it's a little bit too little, too late for them at this point. Um, another injury for Jake the Snake Arietta over there in Philly. I mean, I can't, 
you know, you, you know how I feel about him, Lakina. Um, I mean, he should have a statue here in, you know, near near Wrigley Field for the years he gave the Cubs. But I mean, it just it just hasn't worked out in Philadelphia. I mean, it just has not done. He's been injured. You know, he's been in and out of the rotation pretty much since he's gotten there. Um, and I know I, th- I, th- I believe he left uh, his last start early, even though he had went like five and a third. But I think he left that game early with the hamstring tightness. Um, so he'll, he'll probably be done for the year. And it's just um, it's just unfortunate, you know, for Philly fans and for him, because he was a guy that, uh, you know, that prided himself on staying healthy. And he had done that, you know, especially in his time here in Chicago. But, um, you know, something in the air in Philadelphia, I don't know. But uh, maybe too many cheese steaks. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe too much Geno's or Pat's. I don't know. But um, hasn't, hasn't worked out so far in that Philly red. Um, I think they'll be better next year. Um, but the, the Braves are kind of – in a point where they have to show me as well, even though they haven't been as good as long as a team like, say, the Dodgers. Um, but it's it's been a couple of seasons now that they've kind of dominated that NLE. So um, they need to try to figure some things out to, to not get swept in the divisional round again. So, um, but, but as far as the Marlins go, I mean, if the, if the season today, they're in, you know? I mean, and you, you got to give them a ton of credit for that. So um, I don't know what kind of damage they'll do. Um, I think they'll get the – I think it's the four and five matchup. If, if it started today, the Marlins would. Um, I'm not sure who that fourth seed is, though. I have to look at the standings again. I can't it's remember. The Padres, I think, if I'm not Padres? mistaken. Padres? Okay, okay that's so. what I was thinking. Um, so, you, you know, again, I mean, we're talking about surprise teams, right? We, we knew some things like this would happen in these weird seasons, and the Marlins are still right there. Uh, as far as the NL East is concerned, as I said all season long, the it's the Braves division to lose hands down. Philadelphia, I'm with you, Jason. Even they sneak in, I think next year they will be better. You get a full 162-game season under uh, manager Joe Girardi. For the uh, Miami Marlins, you catch COVID. Hopefully you learn your lesson. Now you uh, clinch a playoff spot. <laughs> I guess it's, a, it's the story of the season right there. So uh, the, the, the Marlins, uh, they've been scrappy and, and props out to them. And the Mets, don't make me waste my time. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, and I'm not even a fan of that team. <laughs> All right. Well, real, real quick, because I want to get into the NBA playoffs record before we uh, take our break. Um, okay. Anybody else besides the Cubs get in? I don't think so. I say so. no. Nope. All right. Um, yeah, because the Cardinals got too many games left over, and I think that's gonna what's going to catch them in the end. All right. In the West, the Dodgers have already made it, and – the other Padres, can they do – can either one of them do damage in the playoffs? The Dodgers got to show me. Even though they got everything and they, they kicked a lot – they beat a lot of people. The Dodgers – Okay, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. So, I, I, I'm with you. I think the Dodgers, like, let's, let's get into the playoffs. Jason? Yeah, um, listen, I don't, I, I, I honestly don't even want to talk about the Dodgers. I just don't. Um, to me, this is about the San Diego <laughs> You worse than me, Jason. Well, I mean, you've known me well enough, long enough now, Lamont, and especially Sydney and Lakina. You know how long we've been doing this show. I don't want to talk about the Dodgers anymore. Um, to me, this is about the San Diego Padres. They're probably the most exciting team in baseball. I hope goodness that they don't end up like dropping to the seventh seed because the Cubs are in the two seed right now. Um, oh God. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I don't want to see them in the first round in a three game series. Like absolutely not. I, I mean, I just don't. So it, you know, they're, 
they're probably going to take a top team out. And I just hope it's not the Cubs. <laughs> and regardless, I'm going to still rock my Padres. I got an 84 Padres jersey that I love, so I'm going to still rock my Padres jersey. Sid? Uh, the Dodgers, they have that division locked up. Uh, the Padres, they can still do damage come playoff time. It depends on who they play. But I'm with you guys on the rest of the panel. We said this all year long. If you're the Dodgers, show me what you can do in the playoffs. Regular season is nice, but can you bring home that trophy for the first time since 1988? We shall see. All right. Off, all right, off to the hardwood we go for the NBA playoffs. Our, the conference finals. Yes. yes. Let's yes. do this. Yeah, I'm up there. The conference finals are finally set. Can I start? Can I start? Yeah, I mean, okay, Lakers, I mean, yeah, Lakers and Nuggets. I mean, can we talk about the Clippers for a second? I mean, what the hell happened? What the hell happened? I told George was going to do that. I told George. Go ahead, Jason. Go ahead, Jason. I'm I'm doing a patent on the back right now, Lamont and Sid. I'm doing a patent on the back right now. (laughs) Because I told you, I told you. Oh my gosh! Playoff P was in rare form. Playoff P. Now, now listen. Now, this is a guy that has self-addressed himself as this 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 moniker, right? And I was looking at a stat uh, the other day. This will probably blow your guys' mind. I don't know if you saw this or heard this, but in that game seven, that was the ninth playoff game of of George's career that he has shot under 25%. That is the ninth game of his career that he has shot under 25% in the playoffs. I don't think if you tried, you could come up with a stat like that. A microcosm of the season, and I, and I know you guys saw this. I'm pretty sure you guys saw this. When they're, they're, they desperately need a bucket, when Denver is starting to pull away in the fourth quarter, Paul George is wide open in the corner for a three. And what does this man do? Hit the side of the backboard. Like, like that was, that was what we used to say on the playground when there was like a, just a complete brick shot. Like we would just like give it a sound. Oh my gosh. Like clank or something like that. Like, I, I want everybody who has ever watched basketball or will continue to watch basketball in the future to stop saying Paul George is a star player. I want everybody to kill that noise right now. I want to, I, I don't, he is not elite. He is not a star player. He is not even, he, he is barely an all-star level player. And he is robbed $25 million worth of money. Like he robbed, Whatever team son, I think that was the, I think that ended up being a, the Thunder. He robbed him of that money. He's not worth it. He is a complete choker and choke job. Stop saying this dude is a great player. That's number one issue. Number two, Sydney, I'm I'm, I'm going to use the term that you like to use, right? Like giving out pink slips and whatnot. Link up. And link cards. Doc, Doc Rivers might need a pink slip, guys. I know you guys have seen this bad as well, but this is the third time that he has blown a 3-1 lead as a coach. No other coach in NBA history has ever done it more than once. Like, there was – and we sort of talked about this before the shutdown, didn't we, guys? Like, we we sort of said that something doesn't quite look right with the Clippers, 
-hmm. It looked like they were, were turning on and off a light switch. And we had said this at the time, I remember specifically saying this, that it could come back to bite them in the playoffs. They slept walk through the first round. They ran up into a team like the Denver Nuggets, who are a team and who have, in my opinion, by far the best big, no disrespect to Anthony Davis, but Nikola Jokic is the best big man in the NBA right now. He probably has been for the past two or three seasons. And they got exactly what they deserve. You know, what, what, you know what the Clippers need? And he may need to leave, but the Clippers need a, a leader. They need a leader leader. Like, they need a point guard. They need Chris Paul. <laughs> That's what they need. <laughs> they need a Chris Paul. They need a leader. And, and I think Kawhi is cool with that as far as, but he's not that. They need a Chris Paul. Really, they need Chris. Maybe they could trade Paul George for Chris Paul and, you know, work that out or something. But Oklahoma City ain't going to win him back. Huh? Oklahoma City don't want him back. <laughs> look, look, look. Okay, can you guys hear me? You guys yeah, hear me? Okay. yeah. Okay, good. Okay, here's here's the thing. Like, I like, I, like, I wore, like, like, I remember you said, Jason, right before when we were still in the studio before everything shut down. Look, I warned people about this Clippers team. The way they were, you know, like you said, Jason. Remember they were when they were sleepwalking through the regular season. You're like, okay, they they need to kind of, you know, wake up and. I'm not surprised, but I think Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are showing you that yeah, that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good Nuggets team. And if you're a fan of the Bulls, you know, look, AK helped build this team. You gotta be feeling pretty good if you're a Bulls fan right now. So, do I think they can pull off the upset against the Lakers? I don't think so, but I think they can push in the six games because I think LeBron's looking at this and then we're looking at this and say, okay, you know what, we wanted Kawhi and then but look. We have to play some Nuggets. We're not going to look back. You know, we're not going to, like, sleepwalk. And LeBron wants to win this title again. He might run off into the sunset. So, let's let's do it. Let's go for it. Yeah, quickly, uh, Lou Williams uh, of the Clippers said it the best, even though he had his own issues um, traveling to the bubble. But uh, he said that they didn't have uh, – uh, chem the chemistry wasn't there. If you watched the last three games of their series against Denver, it showed right on the court. As I said on our last podcast the other day, they were worried too much about the Lakers. They took the regular season off like it was Cavalier. They didn't take it seriously. Yeah, they had enough win. Yeah, yeah. But I think he, I think, I think Cindy echoes the same for pretty much everybody. I think yes. the, the Clippers are just, yeah, I think. Well, look, will, will Doc get fired? I doubt it, but I think there's definitely going to be some changes made, but I don't know how they're going to do it because they don't have any first-round draft picks. They traded, like, most of them for the last three years to get PG, so it'll be interesting. No doubt about it. Um, okay, as we get uh, said. I just, I, I just laugh. I just laugh because, <laughs> I, I, I mean – and, and, and you know what the thing about it is? Like, Paul, Paul – like, did you guys see his after-the-game interviews, Paul George's, like – he, we're talking about no, no emotional leadership. I mean, and you get that from Kawhi Leonard. He was kind of never that personality. Um, but Paul George just doesn't seem to care. He just doesn't he, seem to care. Did you have you guys noticed that at all? Maybe he accept what you say. Maybe he accept that he ain't great, and he know he ain't great, and he know he hit people for one hundred seventy five million, and he cool with it. <laughs> Ouch! Damn. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying. Ooh, coming with the heat, Lamont. Coming up with the heat. <laughs> he might be okay with it. I mean, 
long as he ain't the free agent we pick up, <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> What do you guys, what do you guys see about the Nuggets Lakers series? <laughs> I mean, it's gonna be good. I mean, they're gonna. I think the Lakers gonna overlook them a little bit. And if 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 a couple, if, if Michael Porter Jr. learn how to play defense, he could match up with Anthony Davis a little bit. I mean, he got the size, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Well, you know what's what's interesting about this series is that obviously I wouldn't have, I you know. I wouldn't have given given Denver much of a chance before, obviously, the Clippers series. Um, but I think the way they're playing, I have to think this series could could go six, at least six, if not seven. Um, I just think Jokic and Murray are just playing that good. Now, the big key for me in this matchup will be that second unit uh, because there's, there's, there's not much depth on that Denver Nuggets second unit. And Rajon Rondo for the Lakers uh, running that second unit over there is is – been nothing but a boost for them so I think they can match up starting wise uh the the Lakers and the Nuggets I I think Jokic kid if 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 they can slow down the Lakers somehow I you know make it a half court game which is what the Nuggets have been doing throughout these playoffs um I I think they'll have a shot but they have to they have to slow down AD because Jokic is not going to be able to keep up with him if they're going to go if they're if the Lakers are able to get out and get on the run um, so I think that's a big key. Um, again, I think they could kind of cancel each other out. I think LeBron, you know, could 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 probably – he's going to do his thing regardless. But I, I think the big key for me also outside of the second unit for Denver is Jamal Murray. If he can – in my opinion, he's got to score at least 30 points every game in his series for them to have a shot. If he has one off game, it's it's going to hurt him and it's going to hurt him big time because of the lack of depth on Denver score on Denver side. So I, I, I think it's a long series, but it remains to be seen. We'll see. A big, I, I think uh, Denver's definitely got to win game one. I think they've definitely got to win game one to have a better shot. Definitely. Yeah, quickly before we take this timeout, quick timeout, I'll, I'll give my prediction. I have the Lakers in six, but pay attention to these two factors coming to this series. I think Lamine mentioned it before, I believe. But uh, Nikolai Jokic versus Anthony Davis, I want to see that matchup right there. It's going to come down to rebounding. In the second unit, Jason, as you mentioned, for Denver, for the Lakers, outside of Rondo, who's going to be that second score? Will it be Kyle Kuzma and J.R. Smith and, and – I forget the other guy's name. Um, Deion Waiters, if, if he plays at all. Who's going to give additional scoring? And also, Alex Caruso, uh, he's also a backup guard. So, will he provide the energy coming off the bench for the Lakers? That's the two factors I'm looking for in this series. I said Gary Harris could show up. <laughs> if he well, decides, he could show up on the second unit. He could show up if he decides <laughs> to show up. I haven't seen much of him. I mean, I think it's going to be. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, know, I think this will be a very inter- entertaining series. I think, like you said, Jason, if fatigue, I think fatigue also might be a factor to the fact that the Nuggets have to come, had to come back from 3 1 twice. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the thing here. Coach, he might do that. All right, so let's take this. They take this really quick break, and look, we still got a lot to talk about. We got the NFL. We're gonna preview Bears and Giants. Who we're we gonna have coming up, Sid? Jake Brown from the New York Post, and we'll get into a little bit of New York sports as well. All right, we'll also talk, we're also gonna talk about the ESD Eastern Conference Finals, folks. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten that. And also, we're going to talk about college football, too, and 
I know Jason will have his thoughts. I will too about the Big Ten and all the other conferences wanting to come back. And give out our picks. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. So got a lot to do with the second second hour. So for everybody, I'm Lakina, the Texas State Sports Zusa, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to our second segment of well, the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Oh, God. Really <laughs> 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 Along with Lakina McGee, Jason Pfeiffer, and Lamont Scott, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. You can catch Second City Sports along with our other programming for from We Are Rico Radio by uh, searching for War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes. We're everywhere. So wherever you download your podcast, make sure you type in War on Anchor. Also, we're on iHeartRadio. Please, please, please download that iHeartRadio app. Just search for War on Anchor. You can access this program along with others from War Media. You can find me at Lamont on Facebook and Lamont on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow me at Keita McGee on Twitter and Keita underscore McGee on the Instagram. And you can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter. And you can also follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCSCHI. Follow us. We follow back. Kicking off this next segment, we'll, we will preview the New York Giants versus the Chicago Bears in week two NFL action. And to help us do that is our special guest. He's been on the Dean Davis show before. He's also been on ESPN, CNN, WFAN. And he also did a radio show with a friend of the show, Mr. Brandon Scoopy Robinson. I'm talking about Jake Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. That's at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. He's the executive producer for the sports podcast for the New York Post. Jake, thank you for joining us on your spacey schedule. How are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. No problem. Let's get it started. Before we break down Bears and Giants, uh, the New York Giants were seen on the national stage as part of Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they, uh, they lost in a kind of a close one, but – uh, your quarterback, Daniel Jones, uh, he, he, hit, he looked good in spots, but he really showed his inexperience of, of throwing uh, two turnovers, especially toward the end of the game. Uh, before we break that performance out, just give us your initial thoughts about the Giants opening loss on Monday. Yeah, well, when you go up against the Steelers, they didn't really have much of a shot. The Steelers are one of the best defenses in the league, if not the best defense in the league. So, you know, the Giants' offensive line stinks. That's their biggest problem. They can't run the ball. You know, Daniel Jones has to run a lot. Luckily, he's more mobile than Eli Manning, and he can do it. Uh, but that's going to be the big problem for the Giants is just pass protection. You know, they were in the news this week with Tiki Barber making comments about Saquon's pass protection and the offensive line. Which, you know, they already lost. You know, they had uh, Nick, they had uh, Solder, Nate Solder opt out before the season, which, you know, at first you think, oh, it's not a big deal. But now you look at their depth, and it is brutal. So Daniel Jones will struggle because of that. Um, but otherwise, I think fans here are very confident that they have their franchise quarterback. And if he could cut down the turnovers, you know, that, that long drive he had was killed by a bad pass he should have never made. Um, so if he could cut down mistakes like that, you know, they were in the game against a top defense. So I think this game Sunday, they're going to be in it all the way against the Bears. Guys? 
Lamont? Oh, yes. Uh, I mean, as far as far as that goes, let me ask you a quick question. What you said you think he's going to be in it. Do you think they need to try to maybe use Saquon even more? Or I know the pass protection is, like you say, not as deep as you would like it to be. But do you think that they can maybe work out different schemes of blocking to try to use Saquon more to take some of that pressure off of Jones? Yeah, they have to. And I think, you know, the Bears' defense is good, but it's not the Steelers. So he's going to have more success. Listen, if you have 15 carries for six yards, if you don't have more success, then you're in trouble because it's hard to be that bad. I mean, it was a career bad day for Saquon. So I think we're going to see more screen passes. And you know, Saquon's a great receiver out of the backfield. So he had 60 yards as a receiver. So I think the Giants are going to try to figure out more packages to get him involved as a receiver. Uh, maybe get Deion Lewis in the mix and uh, Wayne Wayne Gallman. So, you know, they got to find a way to get the run game going because you can't have Daniel Jones throw 30, 40 times. They're not going to win that way. So I think we'll have them have see more success. And honestly, I think, you know, we're going to have Tiki Barber actually on our show, Blue Rush, on Sunday. So, we you know, we'll get the immediate reaction from Tiki. If Saquon has a big game, we could uh, smack <laughs> talk with Tiki a little bit and be like, pipe it, down. pipe it down, Tiki, look what happens. So I'm hoping that happens. I love Tiki personally, but it would be nice to, uh, you know, have that immediate reaction to him say sorry. How, Jake, how about the defense? I mean, you got Dexter Lawrence, you got Leonard Williams, you got Jabril Peppers. The talent is there, but they're still kind of like eh, sort of metering like in, medi in mediocrity. So what do, you, what do you think having a new coaching staff will help improve that defense? Yeah, I think it will, but the problem is there's just not – like you said, there's not a ton of talent. Yeah, there's a couple guys here and there, but the cornerbacks aren't great. I know they picked up Logan Ryan, but he's kind of been the third guy. You know, you, you lose a you lose a guy in the offseason, uh, and obviously everything that happened with him, uh, cornerback, you know, there's nothing you could do to avoid that. But the safety position is still a struggle. You talk about Jabril Peppers. Julian Love is not a starting safety, really a backup. So he stepped in and been a starting safety. The Giants have to get that pass rush going. They got a couple stacks, but Leonard Williams has been mostly a bust uh, since coming to the Giants. He had a nice game, but that they got to put some pressure on Mitchell Trubisky if they want to win this game. That's That's been a big problem for them. Blake Martinez was the anchor to the defense in week one. He was awesome, and he's a guy that they paid money to be awesome in the offseason. So they need to kind of, you know, go out some all-out blitzes. You know, make Trubisky make a mistake. You guys know well he's made many mistakes over his career. He had a great fourth, <laughs> great fourth quarter, but, uh, you know, he, he's prone to mistakes. So if the Giants could feed off of that and put pressure on him, uh, you know, I think they can win this game. Okay, Jake. So let's get back to that offense and uh, the quarterback, Daniel Jones. Obviously, it's been a little over a year now. So uh, I guess this is a two-part question. Um, how, what's the fan sort of um, – outlook on him, I guess, reaction to, to Daniel Jones so far, and how is your reaction been to the, the new quarterback of the New York Giants? How's he been in your opinion so far? I think he's been okay. I think he's – it's fun to watch a quarterback be able to run. Listen, I love Eli Manning, but, my God, he could not run at all. So to see Daniel Jones actually be able to move and show some mobility has been cool because he's going to need to with the offensive line. He's got to find ways. You know, when they're bringing out all athletes, there's going to be – some room to run, and he's been able to find some crevices. I'd like to see him get more than six, seven-yard runs. I'd like to see him break out for a 20 or 30-yarder. But like I said before, him cutting down on the turn turnovers, last year was all about the fumbles. This guy was just right. holding the ball open loosely, and he's got to bring it in. I mean, Tiki Barber knows something about 
Oh, I'm, I'm ripping on Tiki too much here. That's my guy. But uh, he knows something <laughs> about holding the ball loosely and fumbling. So Daniel Jones has to avoid the fumble. Last week it was the it was the interception bug. Last season it was the turnover bug, uh, the fumble bug. So I think Giants fans like him, but you know it's going to take time. You go from a future Hall of Famer to another guy. It's just just by the matter of fact of replacing Eli, that's going to take time. So overall, I think they like him, but we still need to see more, and we need to see the team kind of progress from last season, which I do think they will. Jake Brown of the New York Post is joining us here on Sega City Sports Zoom Cell as we preview the week two and of the action between the Chicago Bears and the New York Giants. Jake, let's stay with quarterback Daniel Jones. He has a new offensive coordinator named Jason Garrett, of course, former quarterback in his heyday in former Dallas Cowboys head coach. What do you think that he'll bring to this Giants organization this year? How do you think he'll help out Daniel Jones, the, the second-year phenom? Well, hopefully we'll see less clapping on the sideline, which I like. <laughs> Mr. Clappy himself. I mean, hopefully they don't, you know, you know, that was the thing last year. Him as a head coach, they're always putting the camera on the head coach. They're not going to put the camera, let's hope, as much on the offensive coordinator. So I think having him here and his ability to do what he does best, and that's play calling, I think having him in a less pressure role here in New York, kind of, uh, you know, a head coach 1A to Joe Judge, I think fans love Joe Judge so far. The take-a-lap approach, guys doing laps, his hard-nosed style, learning under Saban and Belichick. And I think he can help Joe Judge in being a head coach. And I think Joe Judge can help him with the, with kind of a sense of tenacity and aggression that, you know, Garrett, like I joke about, has always been Mr. Clappy. He's never – I don't think he's held players accountable like we're already seeing from Joe Judge. And you're already seeing the players echo his style from what they're saying in the media, just – you know, how they're acting, how they're playing, what we're seeing in practice and the laps and everything surrounding Joe Judge, I think that helps Garrett. So I like Garrett as offensive coordinator. It's Again, it's so early to tell and going up against the Steelers, you can't <laughs> truly judge because that's an all-world defense. I'm, I'm interested to see these next few weeks how this offense does because, listen, if they don't turn that ball over, they maybe score 20, 23, 24 points in week one, and your, your thoughts about the Giants' offense is a lot different. So – I'd like to see a couple weeks sample size to uh, fully judge Garrigan. Lamont? Uh, and as far and as far as you mentioned in Garrett, like like with him with him calling the play, do you think that he will do more for Daniel Jones instead of Saquon Barkley with him being a foreign quarterback and with him coming from Dallas? Do you think he's more geared toward making New York a more passing situation? Or do you think they should pound Barkley? I think it will be more of a passing situation. And honestly, a big reason for that is Darius Slayton. The fifth-round pick is quickly becoming a guy that looks like a number one receiver. He's a touchdown machine. Um, he's a red zone machine. He, he's speedy. And he went from number three to number one. It makes you kind of forget about Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, any Giants fan who's still clamoring for OBJ, is, is, to, to me, is lost. I think they've moved on from him. And I think having Golden Tate – out in week one hurt them. So to get Tate back with Slayton, um, Evan Ingram is the key to this offense. A young quarterback loves a good tight end and a check down option. Dak had that in Hall of Famer Jason Witten with Jason Garrett. So Evan Ingram has just been a huge disappointment and a guy that the Giants, if he doesn't do anything, they got to consider trading him before the trade deadline because you know you, you don't really have a backup. You have Caden Smith, but in the off season, you're going to have to think about bringing a tight end in here. So I do think it's going to be kind of a more passing tack 
And like I said before, Saquon's better out of the passing game anyway. People look at him and his run game. He's always been known to have one explosive run and then a lot of short runs after that. I think he's a big playmaker. He has trouble carving out, kind of like a Frank Gore, who's good at carving out those three- and four-yard runs. That's not Saquon. Saquon's a guy who is known for his explosive, you know, 60-yard run here, you know, 40-yard run there. Um, but a lot of his other runs have been short or loss of yardage. So I, I do think Garrett makes this kind of more of a passing attack once he has full confidence in Daniel Jones not to make those mistakes like he did against the Steelers. Jake, what are the actual expectations that fans have for this Giants team this year? Well, their schedule's so tough. I don't think fans have huge expectations. I know on the podcast, I said 7-9. and nine. Lawrence Tyne said 7-9. and nine. And I think Paul Schwartz said 7-9. and nine. I think we were 7-9. and nine across the board, and I think that would be progression from last year. I think next year you're kind of looking at the year for this team to compete. But guess what? I mean, who knows this year with no fans? It's such a weird year, and the NFC East is kind of down. I know everyone thinks the Cowboys are going to win the division. Uh, the, the Eagles were disappointing in week one. Uh, I don't think the Washington football team will make it that interesting, but they do have a you know a good pass rush, so we'll see. Uh I think seven wins is the expectation for Giants fans. Eight or more, I think that is a huge year for Joe Judge, honestly. Just with this schedule, I think if they win eight games, if they make the playoffs, I mean, it would be – the Giants have to be throwing a parade just for that. I don't <laughs> think it's going to happen, but uh, I'll, I'll, take seven, I'll take seven wins. Eight wins, and, and I'll really be happy. Jason? Jason? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Uh, Jake Brown from the New York Post is joining us right here on Second City Sports as we preview uh, Bears and Giants for week two. Jason, staying with the Giants uh, for a couple more minutes before we move on. GM Wayne Gettleman, this is his second year, I believe, at the helm for the New York Giants. How long is the leash uh, before fans starting to get on him for, for the, if the New York Giants uh, don't turn around here quickly? Yeah, Gettleman's interesting because uh, he is a quote machine. Whenever he speaks, I think it's the thick Boston accent. I mean, when that guy says, <laughs> when he says Boston, when he drop when he drops a hog mollies on us, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, content. So I wish he spoke to the media more, but he's already said he's not a big fan of uh, you know the New York media. He doesn't like talking that much. And uh, as a fan and as producer and host, I I love the sound bites, but. Yeah, I think his leash is getting shorter. I think there was a chance he was going to go before this season. I think a lot of people were surprised. He struggled a bit in the draft. You know, their first-round picks uh, have kind of been bust outside Saquon and Jones. They've had some bust. Uh, so I do think, you know, I think this this could be it. If they don't progress this year, I think Gettleman could be gone maybe one more season. But this is kind of the year for him that they need to progress. You need to see Saquon become a better pass protector. You need to see Daniel Jones turn the ball over less. You need to see some signs from guys like James Bradbury, who they spent a lot of money on. Gettleman spent a ton of money on to try and fix the cornerback position and the depleted defense. You got to see it because of the draft, he, there's been nothing to write home about outside of Slayton um, and Saquon and Jones. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think this this could be the final year, maybe one more, but for sure. I don't think Giants fans are, are going to be too patient here with Dave Gettleman. Before we move on here, what's your uh, prediction for Sunday's game? What's your final score? Yeah, I think I said on the show 27-24. I think the Giants are going to win, guys. I'm sorry to say I, I do oh. think they're going to win. 
I think the Bears were terrible outside of one quarter last week against the Detroit Lions while the Giants competed against a top-tier defense. So, I don't know. There's something I, I – if there were fans, I would have picked the Bears without any fans. I think the Giants even go in there and play better and win by a field goal. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think Graham Gano, Giants have a solid kicker in him. And, you know, our Giants host is Lawrence Pines, who's a Scottish kicker. We got a fellow Scottish kicker. You don't get many of them uh, <laughs> in the NFL. So I think the Scottish kicker leads the Giants to uh, a win in the final minute. I think Daniel Jones leads them down the field, and they win by a field goal. Uh, All right. Let, yeah, go ahead, Lakina. Yeah, I was gonna say, let, let's talk about – let's go to baseball for a second. You got the Yankees finally starting to – you know, now that everyone's healthy, it looks like it's starting to kind of – you know, turn along here. Where do you expect the Yankees? I'm sure they're going to make the playoffs, boss. So what, what, are the expect, what are your expectations for them in the playoffs? It's so tough to say because in the neutral site and, you know, the thing that hurts the Yankees is that during these series, there's no days off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they're just playing straight through at these neutral sites, which hurts because they can't, in a seven-game series, they probably can't do Garrett Cole game one four seven unless they're putting him on a shorter pitch count and, you know, unless they're doing him, pitching him on three days rest, which they might because they might be that desperate with their starting rotation come playoff time. Not great, but listen, before the season, I said the Yankees should make the world series. I just think there's too much talent um, on paper. Our Yankees host, Jeff Nelson, former uh, Yankee great had an interesting point though, that I didn't even think about is that in the playoffs, they're going to be playing these games in L.A. where the ball does not carry as much. He, he's pitched there. He knows, you know, he's, he hasn't given up many home runs there, I guess, because the ball doesn't carry, and he's right. And the Yankees are built such on home runs. I mean, they are just pure power. They don't move guys over, and that's just the name of baseball these days is power. But the Yankees specifically, you're seeing every night. I mean, their backup catcher hit three homers the other night. Kyle Higashioka, Higashioka. Uh, so a team built on power worries me in October, again, with the air not carrying and no Yankee fans there. It's going to be interesting. So I think they make it. I think they win one or two rounds, and I think they might get to the World Series. But I don't know. The Dodgers look like just such a scary team that I, I think I have to take the Dodgers, especially playing in their home stadium, essentially. I mean, they're playing in their in uh, L.A. Um, they're playing in their home state in California. So – I think the Dodgers will end up beating the Yankees in the World Series. Uh, one more, another question, Jake. Uh, what do you think about the Mets? Do you think the Mets can possibly have a miracle and make it? Yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you've either muted me or blocked me from all my Mets tweets. If you did, I, I understand. I know many people, I'm sure they have muted me, which is perfectly fine because I do tweet and rant about the Mets. And uh, I do do a Mets podcast with Nelson Figueroa, and I do a lot of yelling. Um, I do a lot of ranting and raving. <laughs> Usually every that. show. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I, I said the Mets should trade Edwin Diaz for Dunkaroos, and after that he ends up being great. So I look like an idiot <laughs> okay. for that. Dun- Dunkaroos are rare to find these days, especially here in New York. I don't know about in Chicago, but uh, they brought them back and they're, they're they're scooped off the shelves pretty quickly. I don't know if you guys remember Dunkaroos. They were oh yeah, my, uh, yeah they were my lunchtime yeah. snack. They made me a chubby a chubby teenager in the 2000s. So uh, you know, I think the they're not going to get in, but I am dreaming they get in. Uh, they're <laughs> game, listen, they're a game and a half out. Yeah, they they need to beat. <laughs> 
great teams like the Braves and Rays coming up, and then, you know, they got to win three out of four against the Nationals. So they have to go eight and two. Do I think they're going to do that? No. Do I hope they're going to do it? Yes. So I, I think next week will matter for them, but I just think uh, it's going to end up being too little too late, and I also think they're having injuries at the worst time. Their ace, Jacob DeGrom, is dealing with a hamstring injury, and while he may pitch, it's hard to pitch with that injury uh, this late in the season. And, you know, you're a power pitcher that throws 99 uh, on every fastball, and you're coming down to that hammy every time. That kind of scares me. So uh, because of everything surrounding them, I don't think they'll make it, but let us pray. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Jake. Love the passion. Hang down the Heading down the home stretch with Jake Brown of the New York Post right here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Jake, let's go to basketball real quick. What is your thoughts about the Brooklyn Nets uh, hiring uh, uh, Steve Nash as their new head coach with with no coaching experience? Now he has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving coming back for 2021. Yeah, I think like all of us, we were like, huh? We were just like Mm – what, what just happened? I think it was very surprising. Um, I didn't see it coming. Uh, but listen, I think especially with the Nets, the players run the team. I think Kevin Durant and Kyrie said to Sean Marks, uh, hey, we're, you know, we like Steve Nash. He practiced, you know, he practiced with us. I think there was like a picture with them practicing with him a year or two ago. Um and he's Steve Nash. I mean, he was a legendary basketball player. And you know, we're, I mean, we're, we're, seeing, we're seeing a lot of first-time coaches. It's not, like, insane. It did surprise everyone, but it's not, like, the craziest thing in the world. Uh, and it's also 2020. I mean, nothing surprises me anymore with everything going on this year. Uh, so I, I think it'll be interesting. I, I hope he's good because this team is built to be a championship contender next season. It's unfortunate with everything that's happened, how they're getting KD next year and what's going to end up being probably shortened season. We'll see about when fans are there and everything that happens. And who knows? But definitely surprising. But I, I can't judge. You know, I can't be like, oh, this is – I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, this is crazy. The Nets are going to be terrible because they have a good team and maybe he works out well. I do think, I do think having Jacques Vaughn and a, a strong assistant coaches is going to be the key. Having those, just like Joe Judge, having Jason Garrett as a head coach, like 1A, being there. I think Jacques Vaughn earned the position to be at least his lead assistant, and he's worked with these guys, especially in the bubble here. Yeah. Should be fun. Should be a lot of fun watching that team next year. What about the Knicks, real quick? Oh, what about the Knicks? I mean, it is just uh, (laughs) a bleak... It it is a bleak future for this franchise. I... uh, you know, I know the rumors are Chris Paul. Listen, I love Tom Thibodeau. I think that's an awesome hire. You finally get an established coach. I wish someone like the Mets, we talked baseball, went, and got to get, went out and got an established manager like Joe Girardi. They did not. The Nets didn't go out and get an established coach. The Knicks did that. So at least they have a, a hard-nosed coach, a coach that's been there. You guys know him well in Chicago. I, th- I know he. the knock on him is he wore guys down, play among a lot of minutes. But – in some ways, I'd rather see guys play a lot of minutes than guys get babied and coggle, coddled like they have been um, getting 30 minutes. I, I think 42 is kind of aggressive, but I think guys should be playing 38, especially young guys like R.J. Barrett and guys who are you know, 21, 22 years old. So I'd love to see him develop some players, but I don't think I'm worried that they're talking about Chris Paul and like, I really like Chris Paul, but 
this is a rebuilding team and you're going to trade kind of assets for a guy on the back end of, an, end of his career kind of scares me. And, you know, of course, in typical Knicks fashion, they fall to get the eighth pick. And I'm sure they'll find a way to screw that up like they did with Frank Nilakina trading away Porzingis. <laughs> I mean, the return for Porzingis looks even worse now with how bad Dennis Smith Jr. has been. So I, I think the Nets' future is a lot brighter than the Knicks. Knicks have a lot of work to do. I don't expect them to be a contender next season. All right, that was Jade Brown, the executive producer of Sports Content for, Content for the New York Post. You can follow Jake Brown on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Once again, at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter. Jake, thank you so much for joining us here today. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll definitely have you back on this program again in the future with more fun conversation. All right, guys, thanks for having me, and uh, enjoy enjoy Giants Bears. You too. All right, Stay thank safe. you. Take care. All right, guys, take care. All right. All right, and that was Jake Brown once again of the New York Post. He's the executive producer for uh, sports content over there at the New York Post. Uh, guys, before we uh, pick pick our games for week two, uh, just give your observations or, or what do you expect to see from uh, Bears-Giants this Sunday. Lamont, I'll start with you. What do you expect from the Bears in order to uh, pull out this victory? I have to disagree with uh, Mr. Brown. I think the Bears will pull that game out maybe like a 17 to 10 or something. Don't I give think... out your predictions yet. Yes. <laughs> okay. Team. The team. Well, he just said that New York was going to win. And, I, I, you know, I, I don't think they will. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be a close game. I don't think it's going to be like this high scoring affair. Like I think like you guys are, this might be one of those like field goals, like nine, six or something like that, or 12 to 10 or something. I just don't see a lot of points being scored in this game. Uh, I actually do see some points scored uh, in this game for some weird reason. Um, I, I think it's probably going to be in the mid twenties, kind of like what Jake said. Um, I think it's going to be a close game. I have no idea what to make of the Bears. I have no idea what to make of the Giants right now. But um, I think it'll be close, and we'll get into those predictions in a few minutes here. Yes. I, yeah. I do think, however, I, I, I think I, I think Saquon will have a bounce-back game in some way. I mean, I just I think he's too good to, you know, just to not, not produce in the run game, even though their offensive line is bad. Yes. I'm looking forward to the Bears' run defense. Hopefully improving because the last two matchups against the New York football Giants have you the Bears. Last year, Saquon Barkley only had 59 yards with the Bears won. Remember two years ago in New Jersey, Saquon had his career best at the time as a rookie with 125 yards rushing and that upset win over the Bears. So I'm looking for their run defense to improve. Uh, yes, Eddie oh, Goldman will not be in, in uniform this year because of COVID, but I want to see how they neutralize Saquon Barkley. And number two, Mr. Trubisky. We saw how he torched that Lions secondary in the fourth quarter with Lions head coach Magic Patricia decided to go away from zone and play man. Let's see if the Giants defense, if they make the same mistake like the Lions did and we want Trubisky should have a great day. Yeah, I think they owe, they owe the Giants too, uh, Sid. They owe the Giants. The Giants have tapped us the last couple of times. We, we, need, we need to beat the Giants. I, I mean, we really do. All right. <laughs> All right. And with that... Yeah, let's see. Lakina McGee has the schedule in front of her, and does she have our records from last week? Yeah, I do. Um, 
You and Lamont are tied at the top, but we're not that. But <laughs> Chase and I are not that far behind, though. We're only a game I'm at behind. The top. So, yeah, I'll say it's not that far behind. So we'll figure out like prizes and whatnot. But it's still early, so let's I let's don't see that long. Yeah. So <laughs> very. Yeah. Fun. What's the record? Yeah. What's the records? Um, I, I think yeah, I think Lamont won nine, you won eight, and I think like I will, I think it's like a tie for like a game, like a game apart. So. And like I said, so far, you know, everybody is still bunched up, you know, it's still early and there was like, some upset, so Yeah. Yeah, we trust you to keep those records, Lakina. Do I'm not miscalculate. Not, I'm not gonna miscalculate, guys. Don't worry. I got Okay, we're just making sure. We're just making sure come we on, trust come you. On. Come on. <laughs> come on, guys. Y'all know me better than that. All right, so the first game up in the noon slate, you've got an AFC South matchup. Both teams are one and oh. Jags and Titans. Um, I will start. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going with uh, Tennessee because uh, that was a tough loss for Tennessee. So I think Tennessee will beat up on Jacksonville. I think they will run over Jacksonville. I don't think the Jacksonville magic will last two weeks in a row. I, I don't see it happening. I have got the opposite pick. I'm going with the Jaguars. I think the uh -huh. I think the AFC yeah. South is a is going to be a bit of a um, turntable type of division. I think nine and seven just might win it out, um, and I think it's going to be some combination of the Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars somewhere in there. Um, even though you know you know management for Jacksonville has done everything they could to throw it in the tank, um, I still think somehow some way Jacksonville is going to be competitive. I like them. Um, where where is this game? Do you know Lakina? It's in Tennessee. It's in Tennessee. Yeah. yeah, I like I like Jacksonville still on the road. What an upset! Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it. I'm going. Yeah, I'm going with the the Titans, even though their kicker Steven Skoskowski, former New England Patriots, missed four five kicks. He kicked the game winner in Denver. Thank you to that dumbass penalty by Jackson from Denver. I could have had another upset, but that's all another issue. But with that being said, <laughs> I had that same uh, issue. I had that same issue. <laughs> Uh, with that being said, Jacksonville got lucky last week thanks to Phillip Rivers from, from the Colts throwing a, a gift interception there in the fourth quarter. Uh, the, the Titans, uh, they started to get their running game going, going toward the end of their game against Denver on Monday night. With that being said, this is the Titans' home opener. I'm going with the Titans. Beat, beat Derrick Henry. That was a problem that they had against Denver. If it wasn't for Vic, Vic Fangio's uh, poor clock management, I think they could have lost that game. So, I'm picking – yeah, I'm going to pick the Titans and, yeah, no – yeah, no Minshew Mania. Sorry. Not this – not this week anyway. <laughs> we can, <laughs> go to the NFC South this time. We got both teams are 0-1. You're hoping to bounce back. Panthers and Bucks. <laughs> I'll start if you want me to. Go ahead. Tampa Bay has to win because if they don't, Everyone's going to go crazy. Everyone's going to say Brady's done. They're going to say Mike Evans ain't got it. Is he still on your team, Jason? Uh, what's going to happen if Tampa Bay loses that game? It's going to be all heck in Tampa Bay. So I'm going with Tampa Bay. But they can't lose that game. So I, I do not have Mike Evans on my team this year. I had him on there last year. Um, tried to draft him this year, but I ended up getting uh, Juju Smith. So I, I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, um, you said – so, but 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 listen, Tampa Bay is going to get it together. 
I'm you might you guys may think I'm crazy about this, but I'm more concerned with New Orleans offense than I am with Tampa Bay's offense. I I, I really am. Um, outside of Al, Alvin Kamara, I mean Drew Brees also did not look that good on Sunday. I don't know if you noticed that, guys. Um, <laughs> but I think Emmanuel Sanders is the answer if they can keep Michael Thomas healthy. Emmanuel Sanders is the answer on that other side. We don't have a tight end though. They don't have a tight end. He old. He's there, but yeah, you might have a point, man. We yeah, no, see. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm picking. I'm picking Tampa Bay to get it together again. I, I, you know, I really don't. I, I wasn't. I didn't pick Tampa Bay to win the game last week anyway. You know, and I mean, yeah, yeah Tom Brady threw a couple of picks, but um, I'm, I'm picking Tampa Bay. Yeah. I pick a Tampa as well. I mean, look, I think people are freaking out over nothing. They'll get it together eventually. I think, you know, it's all this sort of, you know, maneuvering here, anarchy. Look, no, they'll, they'll be fine. Panthers are sort of like going through kind of a rebuild mode. So you'll get it right, Tampa fans. Don't freak out. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Buccaneers as well. As you mentioned, like, you know, the Panthers defense looked like garbage last Sunday. Uh, the Oakland Raiders showed you that. Christian McCaffrey is all you have for the Panthers offense. Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's going to take his hard falls again against that uh, Tampa Bay defense. That defense for the Buccaneers is looking to feast on him. I expect that type of performance on Sunday. So I'm going with the Buccaneers in that home opener. All right. So intra-divisional matchup here. You got Broncos and Steelers. Who else wants to start this time besides Lamont? <laughs> okay, Lamont, I'll, start. I'll start this off. I'm Go going ahead, with the Pittsburgh yeah, I'll start it off. I'll go with the Pittsburgh Steelers because Blake Snell, who has heard of him before Monday night, not too many people. He had over 113 yards rushing against that bad Giants defense. As you mentioned, Lakina earlier, Denver Broncos, their defense uh, went to bed in the fourth quarter with that dumb penalty by Jackson and poor clock management. With that being said, the, the injuries are starting to mount on them now. Uh, I don't like their offense. Uh, they're going on the road to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh looks like they're starting to turn around a little bit. And this is Pittsburgh's home opener. So, with that being said, I'm going with the Steelers. I'm going with the Steelers also, Sid. I got the Steelers, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm going with the Steelers. Big Ben's healthy. He's um, I like the emergence of Deontay Johnson opposite uh, Juju. And, yeah, again, I think it's Benny Snell, uh, actually. Yeah, is, is Benny Snell. <laughs> um, Kentucky guy. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean – Pittsburgh seems to just find running backs and, and make the best out of them. So I'm going with Pittsburgh. <laughs> All right. First sweep of the day. I love it. Um, Rams and Eagles, another interdivisional matchup. I will start this one. Um, I, I, I think the Eagles are getting off to a no one two start. Um, although, you know, I think the, although I think the Rams were lucky for pulling out that game last week, um, I think the Eagles have major, major problems, and it starts on their offensive line. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I like their run defense. I like the Eagles defense overall, but, um, if, if Carson Wentz has got to stop trying to throw the deep ball, like 10, 15 times a game, I know that was an exaggeration, but there was an inordinate number of deep balls thrown in my opinion in that game. Um, I thought they should have, you know, taken advantage of some more intermediate and short routes, but anyway, um, I think, uh, the Eagles go on too. I like the Rams. And I got to agree with you, Jason. I think the Rams going to eat up that offensive line. Going with the Rams. Rams. I just, like you said, Jason, I don't trust that old line for the Eagles. I just don't. And Wentz has started to kind of like going to be all discombobulated. So I know this is sort of like, you know, Rams going cross country, 
I think they're going to stay over there because I think they got another game next week. So I'm going to take the Rams. I guess I'll go in there with the peer pressure, too. I'm going with the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> peer pressure, something else, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it is terrible no matter what age. <laughs> So we got next up. We got 49ers and the Jets. Jets gonna be out. Jay Crowder. That's gonna be yeah. That's gonna be a big thing here. I'm going. I'm going with San Francisco. San Francisco be very I don't bad. think the Jets will win win more than three games this year. Uh-huh. So that's <laughs> You pushing it, Jason. You pushing it. I said two. Well, I, I mean, okay. he said two. Um, They're probably the worst team in football right now. Yeah, the Niners are not going to be very happy about what happened with the Cardinals game last season. They probably felt they should have won that game. So, they'll take it out on the Jets. I'm taking the 49ers. I'm going with the 49ers as well. They're pissed off about what happened in their home opener against Arizona, which I picked correctly, by, by the way, along with Lakina. Also, too, George Kittle, their tight end, got injured. He's a game-time decision. So, whether he plays or not, uh, Le'Veon Bell on the other side is injured uh, uh, for the New York Jets. Uh, the offensive line is bad. Their defense is not as good. So I'm going with the 49ers on the road, even though they're traveling to the East Coast for a noon start. All right. AFC East is up next. You got the Bills and Dolphins. Remember, the Bills are, might be without a couple of their secondary guys. And, and I'll start. I'm still going with Buffalo, even without the secondary guys. I don't believe in Miami yet, so I'm going with Buffalo. Bills. Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay, a sweep. Another sweep. Okay, battle of 0 and 1. You got the Vikings and the Colts. <laughs> I'll start this one off. Give me the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know what you're saying. Phillip Rivers read the bed in the fourth quarter last week. Marlon Mack, their starting running back, is injured uh, for the year with a torn Achilles. I get all that, but I'm still a big believer in this Indianapolis defense. On the other side, for Minnesota, their defense got torched last week by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Now they have to go on the road to face that team. I know Kirk Cousins is good, but Kirk Cousins Cousins is going to face a real defense in the Colts for their home opener. With that being said, I'm going with the Colts. I'm going to take Minnesota for the exact opposite reason. Because they got torched by Aaron Rodgers, they're going to beat up Phillip Rivers and pick them off twice. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I think I like Indianapolis in this game by field goal. Uh, it's probably an even game other than that. Um, but, but listen, Phillip Rivers, if, if people expect Phillip Rivers to not throw at least one interception a game, they're kidding <laughs> themselves. I mean, this is just the nature of who he is. Um, and you just hope it's not a soul-crushing, back-breaking game-ending interception. Um, but I like Indianapolis in the close one. See, I'm like the opposite. I'm picking Minnesota for the reasons Lamont said. They're not going to be very happy that they felt that they got, you know, they should have won that game against the Packers. I really think this is, but this is going to be like the uh, coming out to a field goal, but I think it's going to be the Vikings that ends up winning it. So this is going to be a very close game. It'll be very entertaining. All right, go ahead and say the NFC North. You got Lions and Packers. Uh, you know, I, I hate to say, I'll start just because I hate to say it, but Green Bay going to win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it looks like maybe we might have underestimated Aaron Rodgers, and that secondary for the Lions is still not very good. He's probably going to throw like, plan for his job. Yeah, yeah. So he's going to probably go throw like five or six touchdowns. Five more, five more touchdowns. Yeah. So I think 
I think the Packers win. I think the Packers win handily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green Green Bay's gonna win this game. Listen, it, Detroit is Detroit. <laughs> even though Detroit, even though Detroit got screwed up there on Monday Night Football last year at Lambeau Field on that horrible uh, call by for Trey Flowers, uh, they're gonna need a little bit of that and more this year. Uh, I expect the Packers to roll. The, uh, Matt Patricia, as we say, Lamont, he's ex- he should be expecting his link card and his pink slip. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's, com- oh, <laughs> it's, it's coming. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's <laughs> coming. <laughs> All right, the battle of 0-1s here in Dallas. You got Falcons and Cowboys. I- I'll start it right quick. I'm I'm in I'm in love with the Dallas pass rush from that side. Uh, what's Alden Smith is his name, and I think uh, Atlanta will not pass for 500 yards, even though they have wonderful and and, and Matt Ryan had a wonderful week last week. But I think all the snips gonna slap him around a little bit, so I'm going with Dallas. Yeah, this is a tough game. Where is this game at, Lakina? Is it in Atlanta? It's in Dallas. No, it's in Dallas. It's, Dallas. it's in Dallas. Yes. I think they're supposed to have fans on Sunday. I yeah. think. Yeah, 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 I think like twenty percent. Twenty percent. Yep. You're right, Lamont. I mean that 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 makes no difference. Dallas Dallas isn't a home field for them. Like they've they've historically not even played well <laughs> in their own home stadium. Um, man, I. For the week. I like Dallas. I like Dallas. I think it's a close one as well, but I'll take Dallas. I know Dallas has a, a bunch of injuries on their uh, on their defensive units, especially Van Der Esch. I think he's supposed to be out six to eight weeks with that uh, broken collarbone. But with that being said, I like the, what their game plan is on offense. They just need to score a little bit more points. I need to see a little bit more in that Atlanta defense. They got torched last week in their home opener against Seattle. With that being said, I'm going with Dallas. Yeah, I think, I think Dallas, because they're not going to be in a very good mood because they feel like that let that game against the Rams slip away from them. I know Venabos is out, going to be out for a while, but I, I think they may, I think Dak will do just enough feed the Zeke, as you know, as his tattoo says on his tummy. His tattoo says, yeah. So, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Battle of 1 0 is the first of our 3 o'clock slate. You got Washington and Arizona. I'll start. I'll start. Um, I, I I like Arizona. Um, yeah. I, I I think you know their defense is the, especially the um, the pass rush is going to cause some problems for Arizona, but I still like Arizona. I think they're they're a rising team. I'm riding with Arizona until they lose. Arizona. Go ahead, Lamont. I'm sorry. I'm going with Arizona as well as Washington. Even though I did predict them to win last week, they do have the defense, but I don't know if they'll have enough. Of, enough on offense. I think Kyler Murray is going to do enough to win. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is showing you why he's one of uh, one of the best top 10 wide receivers in the game. And the Cardinals actually have a defense, and they actually have a running back, uh, a couple of running backs as well, in Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. And for you guys uh, on the panel, and for those of you watching and listening at home, guess who's doing the game on Sunday for Fox? Who? Dick Stockton. Oh boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Who's going to be him? Kyler Murray. Get ready for Kyler Murray, I guess. Uh, what do you say, Lamont? He gonna, who's going to be doing a game with Jonathan Vilma? No, no, Vilma's doing No, Brandon Gowden's doing the game with uh, Vilma. Oh, okay. So who go, who's going to carry Stockton? I think it's Chris Vilma. I'm going with Arizona, though. 
Yeah, I got Arizona too. I, I'm a big believer. Like I, I've been saying, like I've been pushing this for like for months now. You guys have been listening and watching this. I'm a big believer in that team. I think Arizona pulls away late. I'm going to be with you probably all year with that, Lakina. <laughs> Come to the good side there, Mr. Scott. Uh, <laughs> okay, about here in the AFC West, you got KC and the Chargers. But remember, the Marquise Ponce, Maurice Ponce, I should say, is out for the year. So, snake bin for the Chargers. I'll, I'll start this one off. I'm going with Kansas City. Kansas City. Yeah, KC. KC. All right, well, that, that was quick. <laughs> All right, that was a quick uh, one. of the games of the week, they'll be on CBS. You got the Ravens and the Texans. I'll start this one off. This will be one of my two upset specials for the week. I am going with the Houston Texans. That is right. And I'll be watching this game in its entirety via my computer. And let me tell you why Houston's going to pull out the upset. Their defense is finally healthy. I know they looked shoddy a week and a half ago against Kansas City, but you play in Baltimore. Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, he cannot throw downfield consistently. J.J. Watt is healthy. If they can, if Houston can get consistent pressure on Lamar, Lamar Jackson and limit his running lanes for him running out of the pocket, they have a very good chance in this ballgame. On the flip side for the Texans' offense, David Johnson did not look that bad in the first half against Kansas City running the ball. If they can get feed him the rock and uh, let Deshaun Watson do his thing there at home, I think they have a better chance to pull off the upset. I'm going with Houston. And the quarterbacks. <laughs> I can't agree with you on that, Sid. Baltimore going to win that game simply because they David Johnson did look good. Got to give you that. But it's a lot of uh, – we, we need – I don't think they can stop Lamar Jackson. Not yet. I'm going with Houston in an upset as well. I, I like them. Um, I think they're a really, really good team. And I think, you know, last week or opening night, I should say, didn't really show how good they are. But I still like Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, even though he doesn't have uh, Hopkins. I'm taking Houston upset as well. That's why I'm, not, that's why I'm picking Baltimore because I don't I, – I don't <laughs> look, I like David Johnson, but that pass rush for Baltimore is actually pretty good. I don't and, think – who you throw the ball to? Exactly. So he doesn't know where the ball to either. He got a lot of people throw the ball to. So I think, I think Baltimore wins, and you know, there's not going to be any. I don't know what's the fan situation there in Houston. I think it's going to be the sort of the same thing as Dallas, but about fifteen thousand. Okay. Yeah. So I I will. I'll still pick Baltimore. I, I just don't see Houston pulling off the upset. I just don't. We're split. Gotta love it. Um, Sunday night, you got New England and Seattle. Um, that should be a good one. Uh, I don't think New England gonna be able to beat Seattle. I think Russell Wilson get to show off. Um, you know, on prime time, he get to show off a little bit. I think Seattle gonna hand it to New England, but I do think Cam gonna have a halfway decent game again. Um, so I'm I'm gonna do the overreaction deal that I know that we most most of us hate. But um, my overreaction from last week is that uh, Russell <laughs> Wilson is probably gonna be the. Uh, the MVP of the league, but of course I know there was a lot of season to be played. But man, did he but look he good! At least he'll get a vote. Maybe he'll get one vote for the first time. Listen, I think if he stays healthy, I think it it, it may be his award to lose again. I know it's just one game, but I'm and I'm doing a little overreacting, but that's okay. Um, he he looked really really good, and he's got targets. And oh, by the way, Chris Carson is healthy, and he is running the ball with authority, and that is going to help them a whole hell of a lot. So. I like Seattle in this game. 
did. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, well, we know that fans won't be affected for this game because we all know that the Seattle Seahawks have the best um, home field advantage in the league. Of course, there won't be a factor this go around. Uh, I think Cam Newton and New England will play a little bit better because of that. But I think Seattle will make enough plays down the stretch. As you mentioned, Jason, uh, they ran the ball down Atlanta's throat last week. I think they could do it again to New England. With that being said, I think it's going to be a close game. Seattle pulls it out at the end. Same thing. I think I think Seattle does pull it out, but I think New England keeps it close. Like you guys said, there's not going to be any fans there, so that's that should be a good one there too, nonetheless. Um, another one that should be a good one. You got New Orleans and the Oakland Raiders. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders. See, I, see, I did it again. God darn it. They still Oakland. <laughs> to, 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 to get used to that. <laughs> They're gonna lose though. I'll start. The Saints, the Saints will beat the Raiders, and, and simply because the Saints are supposed to beat the Raiders. Upset time. I like the Raiders. I like the Raiders in this game. Uh, listen, Derek Carr looked well last week. I know, you know, he's, he's got his detractors and, you know, he's a polarizing guy, but I like Derek Carr and I think Josh Jacobs is going to continue to run the ball well. I like the Raiders in an upset. Okay. You, you stole my pick, Jason, but I will join you. This is my second upset pick of the week. Here's why. Four words. Yes, for, New Orleans, no, for, for New Orleans, no Michael Thomas. And for Oakland, Josh Jacobs. You run the ball, as John Gruden would say, pound the rock, pound the rock. They did that last week at Carolina. They'll do it again this week in their home opener against the Saints. With that being said, this game is also on ABC, so Las Vegas, is going to, uh, they're going to show the world what kind of team they're supposed to be. And New Orleans injuries are starting to mount up. With that being said, I'm going with Las Vegas in an upset at, in their home opener in their new digs. And it looks, it looks beautiful. That, that, that's new saying looks gorgeous, though, out there. Yes, it does. It, it looks beautiful. Also, the, uh, the, the Rams and Chargers feel, too. That looks just Don't it? Yes. Yes. beautiful as well. Um, for the reasons like you guys, like you, Jason, you, and Sid said, I am picking the, the Raiders, two in an upset. Okay. I, look, my, look, Mike Thomas can say all he wants that he thinks that, oh, I could be – I could play, but no. High ankle sprains are very, very tough to – Tough mm-hmm. to uh, to diagnose. They're very tough to get over, and also they got other injuries too, other issues. I think the Buccaneers sort of, um, sort of you know exploited that. So I'm gonna pick the Raiders, and the Raiders are gonna start two and zero. It's okay to be alone out there with New Orleans. I'm okay with that. Leave me out there by myself. It's okay. We <laughs> All right. <laughs> with that said, though, last but not least, Giants and the Bears. The Bears. Well, listen, um, you know, I, I think the odds are in the Bears' favor. The last two times they played the Giants, they've, they've wet the bed, for lack of a better phrase. Um, but I, I, am, I am concerned about, once again, Saquon Barkley getting right against the Bears. I think their run defense is going to be better. I think their defense overall is going to be a bit better. Um, I don't say this with a whole lot of confidence. I really don't because I could see the Bears losing this game. But I'm going to go Bears 21, Giants 18. That's that's. I'm I'm going with, 17-10, yeah. yeah. I'm going with the Bears as well. For the Bears, you have to continue to run the ball with consistency. The offensive line for the Bears were stellar last week. Number two, Mr. Trubisky must take advantage of this bad, and not do me bad, and stink, stink bad. Giants secondary. If he can do that, I think the Bears will win. And I expect Jimmy Graham to have another big game. So 
Well, that being said, as I always say, I'm expecting the Bears to win. And another thing, Sid, I think the defense felt like they got embarrassed a little bit last week. I think their feelings was hurt last week. So I think they're going to have a bounce-back game also. They need to, especially because of Lil Mac. Yeah, Did I you hear that Sunday? I didn't. Oh, well, looks like I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to take the Bears. The Bears will win. It'll be a close one, though. I think 13-10. I think Saquon will do just to keep them close. But I think the Bears had the better team overall, so I think they win it in a close one. But then again, watch Daniel Jones has his best game of his career so far. Just because it almost happened. I'll say that. I'm just saying. That don't happen. Look, I mean, look, Saquon might be feeling a little bit slighted, so he could be all the class response he wants, but he might, he felt, he'll probably gonna feel slighted, so he might want like 100, 150. 50 yards and for two touchdowns, so we'll see. Yeah, he can let them go off and long as they lose. I'm okay with him going off as long as they lose. All right, so those are our picks for week two. <laughs> so, uh, so we got a few more minutes left. Let's talk about let's talk about doing a rapid fire of some of the other games, other stuff's going on. Wait, look at last night game. Yeah, what you think about Joe Barrow? Give him an old line, get him in an old line, and he'll be fine. Because right now they don't have no talent over there, but I think you know, give him two years or so, and he, he might can be somebody. You know, he threw the ball 60 times. Yeah, that, that, and I was just going to – you took that right out of my mouth, Lamont. They, they, they can't do that. They, they can't, just can't do that. But I will say this. I will even, even with a horrible offensive line, Joe Burrow looks like the real deal, guys and gal. I mean, yeah. He, yeah. he looks yeah, like he the does. real deal. Like I mean, I know it's – you know, I know it's just two games, and, you know, I just – I was re over, overreacting on, on one game a few minutes ago, but Joe Burrow looks like the real deal, folks. Um, I, 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 I would probably assume A.J. Green is gone after this year, but if they could somehow keep him and Tyler Boyd or, or somehow find another wide receiver there in Cincinnati, they've got some pieces. They, just, they have got to protect enough. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you uh, more, Jason. We all know that what the New York Jets are going through right now with Sam Darnold, you, it's going to take at least two to three, maybe even four drafts uh, to uh, establish a good offensive line. With that being said, Joe Burrow's future is bright if Cincinnati can get it right. But we all know in football, in order to win championships, it starts with your offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, give an old line, he'll he'll be okay, I think. But he's shown that he's actually he might be have a future here. So maybe yeah. maybe we're on to something there with Mr. Burrow. All right. Um game two last night in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> and there's some stuff that went on after the game. Some throwing games. <laughs> there's some words. I'll let you guys have the floor. What do you guys think? I know they better win game three. <laughs> 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 you think? <laughs> so, they gotta win game three, or somebody getting beat up, and they're going home. So we 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 talked about this right before we came back on air. Um, but I am just so disappointed in Boston, and 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 Brad Stevens that on court interview in the in the fourth quarter to begin that fourth quarter. Boy, you can just tell he was hot. He wanted no parts of of, of that interview on court whatsoever, and I don't blame him because Boston literally forgot how to play pick-and-roll defense. I've never – I have never seen pick-and-roll defense be that bad in my life. And, again, you know, we talked about it before we came back live, but Bam Adebayo, he's a nice player, and I give mm -hmm. him all the credit in the world for that blocking game one. 
but there's no way he's supposed to drop 15 points in the third quarter. No way whatsoever. No way. If you plan him, 15 for a game is a stretch. He's a great defensive guy, but man, them letting him go off the way they have let him go off is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and, and you and you said it, Lamont, and I don't want to take your point, but he was he was walking to the bucket. Like he was there were there were open, wide open lanes just lay laying up for him in the bucket. And they Boston has got to do something about that. They are no, the no. number one defensive efficiency team in the league. They have to play better on that end of the floor. You know, I'm dating myself. You know what it remind me of? When I was at Kiri, we played against Marcus Liberty. And the way he played, and the way he did us, is the way he, it looked like a high school game, the way he was coming off the backside like that. It was like he was the biggest player on the court, and y'all was just too little to play with him. And that was, that was pretty bad. I hope I hope they can get together though, because that that Boston team is way too good. They were able to pull off the upsets, I guess, against Toronto. So I don't. I I hope they can get together, but if not, heads were heads are gonna be rolling in Boston. Daniel Daniel Ainge's head's probably gonna start spinning like The Exorcist. I swear. <laughs> I'm with Lamont on this one. Uh, the the Celtics better win game three, or else this series is over in a hurry. My question is for Boston. Who's going to be their third scorer? You have Jason Tatum, who had a nice game in game two. You had Kemba Walker, who had, I believe, 23 points also in game two. Who's going to be that third scorer for Boston? And like you guys said, can they step it up defensively, especially in the pick and roll? Because that's been the Achilles here so far, so far in this series. You know what? If that was a real big argument with Mr. Smart, I mean, you, and Hay was ready to go. You might have to insert Kimba back at point guard, man, and, and sit smart down a little bit more and let Gordon Haywood come back in and score you some points because you're going to need some points. And Marcus Smart ain't scoring. And so, if he's so, a problem, man, bring him in. Oh, okay. So I the, the sort of after the game altercation, it was the first, this is the first time hearing about it. So what details can you tell me? Like what do you, like what supposedly reportedly happened? Supposedly, well, Smart was throwing things. Well, no, no, he's actually saying a lot of coarse, curse words, and I guess someone else was throwing things, and there was some arguing between them. And I, I, I guess Brad Stevens had uh, a talk with him and Kimba Walker. I think Tatum and and uh, uh, Cantor and um, the others were there. A couple other guys were there as well. Okay. That's so, 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 so Smart was sort of the culprit in all of this, then. That's the rumor. Now, there might have been a few couple other guys that might have been the culprits, but I don't know. But We all family, so he probably was with that comment. Well, well, and, and, and again, I said, <laughs> we came back on the air. Like, if Marcus Smart wants to be mad at somebody, be mad at yourself. Look in the mirror. Like, the, uh, again, the, way too many times, that, that weak side pick and roll, that's his assignment. That's, that's, it's either his assignment or Jalen Brown's assignment, depending on how they've got it set up. So if, if he wants to be mad at somebody, be mad at yourself. Because for God's sakes, guard the paint. Guard the paint. Do your job. Jalen Brown was glued to Duncan <laughs> Robinson. So you know Jalen Brown wouldn't leave Duncan Robinson that whole fourth quarter. He was stuck on Duncan Robinson. So well, it probably falls on Marcus Smart. There you go. Again, that, that was my point. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Jalen Brown was probably stuck on either Hero or, or Duncan Robinson. And, and again, he, you have got to come back on the weak side. That, uh, again, I saw that Marcus Smart being blown by way too many times on that play. So if you want to be mad at somebody, look in the doggone mirror. Yeah. That might have been what it was. Yeah, I agree. 
All right. Um, let's go to the college football gridiron uh, real quick here. We got a few more minutes here. Um, apparently the Baylor-Houston game has been postponed because I guess there was a positive COVID test. So, and also now the Big Ten, you know, they're slated to come back in October. And now the Pac-12 wants to get back in it. Now the Mountain West does too. But then you get other, all this other stuff going on. Yeah. So what are you what are you guys thinking? What you guys what you're thinking here, guys? Well, I kind of knew one. I I mean, I always felt like once they saw some school play, and then two schools play, <laughs> and then once Notre Dame played, I felt like all the rest of them would jump back in anyway. Simply out of they not gonna let them do something they not gonna do, and then they was gonna get heat from the players and the players' parents and all of those people that have supported those players to try to get them to the NFL and to say, man, you gotta let them play once they saw other people play. Um, As we I, go, go ahead, say, go ahead. Okay. As we said before on the show, the dominoes will fall. Uh, as far as when when we saw that the, these Power Five conferences were postponing their seasons, or at least uh, rumored to be moved to the spring. Now, as Lamont said, as these uh, uh, big power conferences starting to come back, uh, the Big Ten, uh, we don't want to be left out. We're going to come on back. The Pac-12, uh, we think about it, but eventually we're going to get back there. It all comes down to money. And they see that period big prize pot at the end of the rainbow, and they're going to try to there as fast as they can. And, and you know what? In the, in the piggyback that said, I stay at about having people in that stadium too. You see how they sneaking them 10,000 in, them 20,000 in? By the time oh, yeah. over, they going to have 50,000 in them stadiums, man. It's, it's going to especially in that SEC. And I'm mainly speaking about LSU. LSU going to put some people <laughs> in there. A whole 100, they going to put 30, 40 in there before it's over. I wouldn't be surprised. So, I've, 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 you know, the, my mind about about this whole entire thing about how football is is being handled in this pandemic, guys. Um, I probably have the opposite view as as you do. Um, I am, I am just kind of sickened to the fact that there is no central leadership in NCAA football, and these schools and these conferences have just been led to do whatever the hell they've wanted to do, basically. Um, I, I, again, I, I am always going to err on the side of caution when we're talking about a deadly virus. Um, I, I think football should have been delayed, if not postponed, all, all outright. Um, but I know there are a couple of factors uh, going into this, and you guys have touched on them. Uh, uh, of course, most of all, being the money. I get it. This is a billion-dollar industry. Uh, they want their dough. So I understand that aspect of it, but but – and talking about LSU, you brought it up, Lamont. When you got Coach O talking about most of your team having contracted the virus already, and then you're, you, you, you're going to want to play other teams, you're putting kids' lives in danger. I don't care how you look at it. You, you are putting kids' lives in danger, whether minute or, or gigantic. It, this, is, this is a dangerous thing that, that people are dealing with. And it's not just the short-term effects. It's the long-term effects that this virus has on people. Um, having said that, more specifically to the Big Ten, of course, they succumb to the pressure of every other, you know, other schools playing, 
um, other coaches putting the pressure on, wanting to play and things of that nature. Again, I get it. So in my conflicted heart, I'm, I am happy in some way that, that we're going to get some, you know, form of a football season, not only in the pros, but in college. But again, this is, this is a dangerous game of roulette that I think is being played here. And, it, and I just go back to the fact of there is a lack of leadership um, in NCAA football. And that's a travesty in my point. So how do you think um, with them going back, the way they're going back, it's going to affect the hardwood coming back? The, uh, college, the college hardwood coming back. Yeah, I, you know, I, I again, because there is no central leadership in NCAA, I, there's no way for me to predict what these conferences are going to do. Hopefully, they themselves can come to at least some sort of consensus. But I mean, you're, you're even widening the pool even in a larger area when we're talking about college basketball, right? Because now you're talking about almost 350 schools, you know, you know, playing, you know, some form of college basketball. And I think it's like a hundred and hundred, some hundred and some odd teams on the D one level. So. Yeah. And they talk about, a, they talking about a bubble with so many other top teams going for. Can't the do it. Can't yeah. do it. Well, they can't do it. Not in college. Well, they've, they've already voted. I think like the 25th, I think they've already voted that that's when the season's going to start. All those tournaments that usually, you know, the Bahamas and Hawaii, that's actually now those, going to be inland now. I think both of them are going to, I think most are going to be like in North Carolina and, and places like that. So that, I think that, I think, I think the hoops, I think the college hoops is you're not dealing with a lot of players and personnel. I think that they can handle it a little bit better, but going back to the football aspect of it, I hope nobody, look, I hope no one dies because that's, that's what, you have to pray for right there. what if someone dies or whether it's a player or a, per, a coach or a personnel person or someone gets it from somebody else, that's going to be the thing. And unfortunately, you know, Jermaine Stevens, you know, the young man from Cal, Pennsylvania, that's a D3, D3 school. You know, the rumors are that he has, he passed away and the rules are, the rumors are that he has, he died from COVID from a blood clot in his heart. That's not that's a lot of attention, unfortunately. That's the oh, thing. Look, that's somebody, hope they get that situation. Go ahead, Lamont. They might not even report it. Some of these bigger schools, they may not report a death. And that's the scary part of it. Like, I got to agree with that. That's the scary part of it right there. If it happens to one of those big schools, Ohio State, if they come back and one of their players happen to die or coaches or coach's daughter or something happens to die, they may not even report that, man. We'll have to dig to find that out. But, you know, we just pray for the best in that. Yeah, here's another, here's another thing I'll leave you guys with before we move on to the next subject to close out the show. We had Shannon Ryan, college hoops and college football reporter from the Chicago Tribune on about a month ago. If you missed the interview, please check it out on War on Anchor, especially on iHeartRadio. Download that app and search for War on Anchor. We had her on, Lakina, and we were talking about testing because, let's be honest here, your smaller schools, they do not have enough money for testing. In these big-time schools, they, they – they have the money for testing, but the question is, how many times are you going to test? Are you going to test every other day? Or are you going to test the day before the game, the day after the game? And listening to Chicago Bears coverage, just transitioning all over to the NFL real quick, from what I've heard, they tested the players the night before the game, which was last Saturday, and Saturday. they tested them when they got back uh, the day after, which was Monday. So are you going to follow the same formula as the NFL, or will it be different? Will all the teams follow the same formula, or – Will each team be tested differently? Because if each team, now going back to college, if they're going to be tested differently, 
there could be a potential problem or problem of problems there. Yeah. yeah. Agree. And also, too, Charlotte, they had to cancel their game against North Carolina, which was a bummer because I was actually looking forward to that game because of contact tracing. So, yeah. So. And, and false positives, you got to be, that's going to come back to play. So, yeah. Especially with these big schools coming back in, the oh, whole yeah. false positive question going to come back up, too. Probably okay. Miami, Louisville, that should be a good one there. So hopefully that'll go off without a hitch. So, but that should be a good one there. Down in Louisville. So that's a Saturday nighter tomorrow night. So that should be fun. Um, U.S. Open real quick over in Wingfoot. It actually is now playing like a U.S. Open course. Who's your pick? Well, well, my my pick before the the tournament started would have been Tony Finau. Um, I didn't actually check the first round score, so I don't know where he's at or where he's at today, Lakina. I don't know if you have the, the scores in front of you. I don't, um, but, but but that's okay. Um, like like I said, my pick before would have been Tony Finau. He's like he's tied for 20, 21st at plus two. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, well, go ahead, Jason. Oh, I was just gonna say, I, um, Justin Thomas. I think is Justin Thomas or Dustin Thomas was the leader. Justin, 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 right? Yes. Yeah. No. I. I mean, I know he. he listen, minus five on the first day. I mean, good lord, you're talking about a great start there. So, I don't know where he's at now. Again, I don't have the the tracking with me. I he probably hasn't even teed off yet. I don't think maybe. Um, but but I, I mean, yeah. I you know Justin Thomas. Let's see if he can you know go wire to wire this weekend. That's that's who I was gonna go if I had to just pick someone. That's who I would pick. <laughs> What about you, Sid? Where's Tiger? Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I haven't found him yet. I'm still trying to find him. He might miss the cut. That is not a good sign. I know he was plus three at the end of yesterday. So I don't think he's teed off yet, but um, I'm looking. Oh, he's tied for 40 at that four over. Oh, he yeah. He just, he's on the second round now. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, I had a feel going in because of what happened yeah. a couple of times before. But I'm, I guess I'll go with Justin Thomas, too. I, I think, look, he looks good, and he's won, you know, he's won a major before. I think he's due for another one. That's my pick. All right, All anything right. else? Any other sport, anything sports-wise or what are you guys looking forward to? Oh, yes. Real quickly, Keena, I want to get your guys' opinion on, on now former uh, – 670, the score host here in Chicago, Dan McNeil. Of course, for those of you that have been sleeping under a rock uh, during Monday night, last Monday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York football giants. Uh, NFL, um, ESPN NFL reporter Maria Taylor, it was her first uh, Monday night football game, and Dan McNeil tweeted out that she was dressing like she was at the AVN Awards. For those of you that don't know what AVN is, it's the adult. It's a war show for, for the adult video music of uh, uh, the adult the movie the industry, and he was fired over over that tweet because of it. And I think uh, our good friend John the Hood now with ESPN 1000 during the mornings with David Kaplan 7 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 1000. He said this best: 20 years ago, no one would have said anything too much. Now that we are in a different climate. And we're in a different society, whether we like it or not. When you're a public figure like that, you cannot tweet out stuff like that. To all of us, I think we know better. Yes, we all make mistakes as one thing, but to all of us uh, sportscasters and media people in general, if, if when in doubt, don't tweet it out because stuff like this happens. 
Yes, I agree with you one hundred percent with that, Sid. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. And it's just a cautionary tale. I mean, you can we can use this as a public service announcement for crying out loud. And and we can say that slogan. Slogan: When in doubt, do not tweet it out. Seriously, yeah. do not Get hit the send shirt. button. Maybe that should be on the shirt for the show. Get that on the shirt. Oh, that'd be cool. No, that's a good idea. That's good, a good idea. Lakina, get on it. All right. I know Kyle um, means he's listening. Get on it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, get on that, Kyle. Um, yeah, of course. I mean, 20 years ago, this was, this was part of his shtick. So I wasn't surprised. But nowadays, you got to... You can't do don't it. say don't say stuff like that. You don't want your mother or your sister or wife or what have you see it. Mm-hmm. He, even if he and in and the way he worked and the way he think and talk, sometimes you would think it, in his mind he might have thought he was giving a compliment. <laughs> you know, you never know. He could have just said nothing, and that's what the shirt should say. He should say nothing. Uh, did y'all see the ABC News doing a special report tonight on the Lorenz Wright murder? You remember Lorenz and Wright? Oh, oh, yeah, the former NBA player who got murdered a few years ago. Yeah, yeah that, they, that was sad. They're doing a special investigative thing on ABC really? tonight. Yeah. yeah, ABC tonight. I'm, I'm going to try to make sure I catch that. Yeah, they, I, yeah they, I did not know that. Uh, thanks for the heads up, Lamont. I might try to record that at least. Yeah, they say they got some new information. So I'm going to see because that's been like a big mystery for about 20 years now. Yeah, I'm hoping that his mom and the rest of the family get these things because that's just sad all around. Let's go, let's go on a happy note, though. Let's go on a happy note. Uh, I'm looking forward to the U.S. Open. It's going to be weird because, you know, this is actually the one time where you wish that they it would be out in the West Coast because they can kind of get away with a little bit more in it before Sunday Night Football. But now it's going to be right in the middle of it. So uh, the, tough, yeah. the afternoon games, that's going to be tough. But, uh, look, I'm looking forward to that. That's that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, yeah. baseball, ten, 10 games left, guys, for a lot of these teams. So I'm, mm-hmm. NFL, so I'm looking forward to that. Yes, that as always. I'm looking forward to my beloved WWE. <laughs> you know, I, I still love WWE <laughs> and my AEW this weekend. So I will be watching them intently. And they are running live wrestling shows in Chicago again. As of last month, they've been running them. So I've caught a couple. So they're back running live shows in Chicago, or not in the city limits, in the suburbs like Chicago Heights area and Marriott Park. Cool. And um, yeah, for, for me, it's I believe it's tonight, game one, Western Conference Finals, Denver Nuggets and the Los Angeles Lakers. I mentioned this earlier on in the show. Um, I, I like this as a long series, at least six games. I think if Denver is to win it, I think a big key for them to do it is to win game one. Um, although, Denver, you know, what would you say, Lamont? Denver by four tonight. Upset. Jamal okay. going to go for 40. I, I, I like it. Listen, I like it. And, and you, I'm they, serious. Be... I'm not just throwing it out there. I'm Are you going to put some money on it, Lamont? Uh, depends on how much you're talking, Sid. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, goodness. We do not condone gambling here on Second City Sports. <laughs> it's legal now. <laughs> it's legal now. It's legal. No, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know, but 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 yeah, game one tonight, and of course, uh, more NFL action coming up this weekend. Um, and and shout out to Nick Chubb, by the way, for getting me almost twenty-seven points in fantasy yesterday. Man, Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb is a beast. He was at Georgia, and he continuing to be. Did you guys think closing? Uh, I'm, uh, as usual, I'm looking forward to week two of the NFL, watching the out of market games on my computer. 
and also looking forward to the beloved uh, the, the Chicago Bears going to 2-0. They should be able to do it against a bad New York Giants football team. Uh, baseball is coming down to the home stretch. We're going to have two teams from this city to represent in the playoffs. And uh, the NBA Conference Finals uh, in the playoffs should be fun. I think it will be fun. But like you said, Lamont Boston better get it together, game three, or else he'll be up in a hurry. And, and also good luck to my Las Vegas Aces and my good friend Derek Hamby out there. They're going to do some damage in them WNBA playoffs. Chicago, unfortunately, did get knocked out. But so did L.A., so I don't feel as bad. So <laughs> shout out to Las Vegas, and hopefully they do something. And if y'all want to unwind from the sports thing, check out Lovecraft Country on HBO. Man, oh, okay, okay. I got to I gotta interrupt. I got to interrupt. You, you, I am a science fiction buff, Lamont. I guess we're going to have to have a conversation on this in private. But I, 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 am, I am so confused about what the hell that show's about. Man, that show will take you everywhere and bring you back. And it got I, nothing but real meanings in it. And if you ever read a Lovecraft book, you're going to fall right in line because it lines them up greatly. That's an amazing show, man. I, I, I mean, I, try, I tried to get into it, and I'm a science fiction guy, but I don't know. I guess I'll have to give it another shot. I really want to, so we'll see. If I, if I had to pick between, like, watching that or Power on a Sunday, I would watch that over Power and my other favorite show, P-Valley. But we ain't going to talk about P-Valley. We will talk about that. <laughs> and on that note. All right. <laughs> All right. On that note, you follow me at Tina McGee on Twitter, at Tina underscore McGee on the Instagram. Uh, you can follow me at Lamont Scott on Facebook, Lamont Scott 69 on Instagram, Lamont Scott 16 on Twitter. And you can follow me at Truth and Reason underscore on the Twitter. And once again, you can follow the show's Twitter handle at 2NDCSCHI. You can follow yours truly on Twitter and Instagram at CK80. Once again, at CK80. That's S I D K I D 80. That's S I D K I D 80. And you can. Follow this show, Second City Sports, on War on Anchor, which kicks you over to Spotify, SoundCloud, I, Apple iTunes. We're everywhere. Wherever you can download your podcast, make sure you download Second City Sports, along with other programming from We Are Regal Radio, a.k.a. War Media. And also, don't forget to download the iHeartRadio app. And when you do that, please type in the search engine box, War on Anchor. That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. You can access this lovely podcast, including Second City Sports. You can also follow us on YouTube as well. Where can you find us on YouTube, Sid? War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. Make sure you view the page, like the page, comment, share it, share it, and please get those likes up. Get them up, get them up, get them up. All right. On that note, for the guys, I'm LaKean. This is Texas Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you Monday. Zoom style. Zoom, 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 zoom. Oh. <laughs> See you next time. Holla!